At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. A lot of people think because they have a child that almost makes them an expert. Mm. You understand me? Mm. It's like even when, you know, I don't have children, but if I was to give advice to a mother or father, of course, the, the ignorant backlash is, well, you don't have children, but mm-hmm. you having children does not make you a good parent or a good steward not. and a manager of another life. Yep. Oftentimes, and, and now I get a lot of young adults that tell me they don't want to have children, and, that's, and I've been saying that, you know, probably the people that don't want to have children will be the best parents because mm-hmm. they will put more intention into the reality of raising a child. Right. Right. Where the people that just have accidental children mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're a good steward, you're a good parent yep. whatsoever. So that idea of you being part of the village mm-hmm. that helps them raise a child. 19 keys and high level conversation. in with the guys. Peace family, it's 19 Keys tapping in, it's high level conversations. Today I have a change maker, a community organizer, an a, 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 a individual, you understand me, that has the ability to take all the controversy and negativity and turn it into something positive. I think that this young man, you understand me, has the ability to do great and magnificent things. I think that he has the ability to move communities and move the world all at the same time. And what he focuses on is not the thing that the average young man focuses on, whether it's the club, whether it's women, whether it's aspirations to be in different career fields that you check a box for. But it's more so about community development and specifically young black boys, right? And young black boys are often the most targeted in America because young black boys turn into young black men. And young black men are the most hunted down, murdered, targeted black men ever. You understand me? We fill up the prisons, we fill up the hospitals, we fill up the graves, we fill up the mental asylums for that particular reason. So anybody that's doing the work that comes in with reformation and transformation of the young mind before reprogramming is needed is a friend of mine. You understand me? So I brought none other than the crown one, the king, Randall. Good How to you meet doing, you, young brother. Guy, good to man. see you. Oh, good Blessings, to see you again. Man. I appreciate yes, sir. you being here, man. So, Tell me, man, who is this man I just introduced, man? Who is King Randall? 
You understand me? And, and what do you do? Absolutely. Well, I'm 22 years old. Uh, my name is King Randall. I'm from Albany, Georgia. I'm the founder of the X for Boys program uh, in the city of Albany. Uh, we work with young men, teaching them uh, how to work on cars, work on houses, uh, do simple automotive mm. repairs, such as changing brakes, changing oil, doing sheetrock, yeah. uh, painting. We do firearms training. Um, and right now we're in the process of opening a school that'll be open in September 2022. So we can get into the meat of it, but yes, for, for the most part, that's what I do and who I am. Oh man, that's powerful. Oh yeah, we're about to have a good conversation. Yes, sir. This episode is brought to you by Infinite Wealth Strategies. We just did a lot of things with them for that summer, taught them how to change brakes. We went and got us painting jobs, we was painting people's houses and everything. Um, we had a beautiful summer with those six boys. Um, and to this day, you know, some of them are graduated now and, you know, some of them still keep contact. Um, all of them keep contact except yeah. for one of them. Um, but it was just beautiful to see, you know, all those children. And that's where I got the boarding school idea from because I'm just like, these children came So you to, want to do it in a, in a boarding school? Oh, yeah. We're doing a boarding school. Yeah. 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 So we got those kids, um, you know, living with me, man. And to see the changes that they made because of the strict discipline I had, you know, waking them up at a certain time of the day and, you know, my previous time in the Marine. What is, what is not a country? What's the schedule for mm -hmm. the boarding school? All right. So what a, what a day will look like previously from my Marine Corps background is kind of going to be the same. So they're going to get up at six. We got up at four, but they get up at six every day from six uh, to seven thirty when they wake up physical exercise. Mm -hmm. um, that's from six to seven thirty. Um, then after that, they'll go do hygiene um, for maybe about 30 more minutes, go shower, brush your teeth, all that stuff, um, make up your beds, whatever. Um, after that, then they'll uh, go eat breakfast and they'll get bus to school. Um, but uh, they'll go to school um, and they'll have a boarding house. Um, so they'll get bus to school, have their school day. After school, uh, they'll get a dedicated free time um, and dinner also. Of course, they'll eat at school. Um, but they'll have dedicated free time to go do whatever it is they want to do at the school. We'll have a lounge area. We have a basketball gym. Uh, we have a place for them to work out. We have a quiet time, uh, like a study room for them. So whatever they decide to do for that hour, I'm going to delegate that time to them to figure out what they want to do, you know, to advance themselves. Right. Um, or they want to go play video games or whatever like that. We're still going to let them be boys, too, but we're also going to make sure it's structured. Um, after that, they'll um, go back to their, uh, back to the boarding house, have dinner, um, uh, Probably going to have this little instructor time with them every evening, um, kind of with the instructors to kind of just talk with them, you know, let them vent, talk about things that may be going on, if you're having any issues, et cetera. Then lights out nine o'clock. When do they go home? They won't go home. Um, it'll be complete boarding. They'll only go home for like different breaks, spring break, fall break, Christmas break. They'll have the same breaks like regular school, like just a little small breaks. But during that time, they won't be going home. Only reason I say that is because it is extremely tough. Um, and I discovered that during my second round of boarding kids at my house, I had a second round of kids, had eight of them that time, and two of them come from juvenile court. And um, those kids changed their lives at my house. Um, and I never had to ask them to do anything. And like the kids that I got from the juvenile court system were the best kids I ever had to deal with um, because those kids just need somebody to teach them something. And so those kids, I never had asked them to take out the trash, never had to ask them to wash dishes. Like they asking me to help them, you know, with stuff. And they asking me, do I need anything? You know, um, and they're just extremely loyal. Um, but when they, as soon as they go back home, it's like the next day, I'm getting a phone right, call. Right. He's back into this, he's back into that. And I'm just like, he was just with me three months, right. doing fine in school, got his grades together, etc. Why would he go back home, back to it the next day? It's, it's insane, right. you know, but they go home and go get back into those environments or go unlearn the things that, you know, they were taught or get back Absolutely. into their old habits. I believe that. I think that, um, you know, uh, the environment raises a child. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Because 
you know, children learn through experiences. Right, right. You understand me? So it's like the technique of learning and getting good grades and things of that nature is not what actually shapes the mind and the behavior and the yep. characteristics. Because once you go outside the classroom, then you go into the environment, you go into the streets, you go with your friends. Mm -hmm. That's what's shaping you to make decisions as exactly. a child that later develops into, you mm -hmm. know, an adult. And so, you know, I've never been to boarding school, but went to private Muslim schools, mm -hmm. understand me, before I went to uh, middle school, which was crazy. The contrast, you understand right. me? Uh, but, you know, everything I learned at Muhammad or Elijah's Educational Center was called in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. Like that was some of the best education I got. Mm -hmm. You understand me? The boys and girls were separated. You know, we got taught knowledge yourself, curriculum based on your level of aptitude and learning. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Rather than just holding you in the grade because of your age. Right, exactly. Um, but the boarding school idea is, is very interesting. And uh, it's funny because, you know, you got a lot of young parents today and just a lot of parents mm -hmm. who probably just not good at parenting, period. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and relinquishing that responsibility to someone who actually wants to do it mm -hmm. because you got a passion for it, which yep. is different. You understand me? than parents who have accidental children. Mm -hmm. Right. Or going back and forth between baby daddy and baby mama. And mm -hmm. in between that, they're utilizing that child as a pawn. Exactly. Or just environments of poverty. You mm -hmm. understand me? They're not getting good meals They're not getting nutrient fed meals. Yep. And the environment is not conducive for a learning atmosphere Absolutely. that induces creativity and imagination. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm trying to think if me as a parent would consider the idea of boarding school for my child. You understand me now? I have a long way to list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a way to list. No, I think by time, you know, I got, I ain't got a child yet. So, mm -hmm. you feel me? Uh, I got time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think, um, I think it's for, I, I respect those parents, you know, who will come to me and just be like, look, I cannot raise him to be no man. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can, you know, and I've had plenty of parents be like, can you just help me with them? Yeah. You know, so I go to baseball games, football games, like I've made some of them just my kid, you know, because yeah. that's what I, I just what I have to do. Yeah. Um, and I want to create an environment where they have father figures, you know, they have women to, you know, look at, to be like somebody I want to date, you know, one day and stuff, because a lot of them don't have no examples or anything. You know, and um, also some of the parents may be a little like, oh, I don't want him to go to boarding school or whatever like that. I'm just like, well, this won't be the place, you know, for your child. I'm like, this yeah. is this is for, you know, him. And I know a lot of them have to pretend to care, you know, for a bit and stuff. I'm like, mama, look right, at right. what's going on at home. Yeah. Like kids barely eating and all that stuff. And you you always at the club, et cetera. Why he can't come to boarding school? Right. You know, so it's, it's just, these are, you know, conversations that I have to have. You know, and I try to be, you know, real with the parents, too. And usually they don't mind it. I actually don't really get into any arguments with parents in regards to what's happening with their kids because I have to have conversations with them, too. Yeah, Especially man. when the kids come to me about different issues they're having. Yeah. And I'm like, Mama, stop telling him you're going to send him off or stop telling him he this and that or stop calling him names. Like, that's stupid. Like, do you think all that? Do you think parents know best? I know a lot of a lot of people think because they have a child that almost makes them an expert. Mm. You understand me? Mm. It's like. Even when, you know, I don't have children, but if I was to give advice to a mother or father, of course, the, the ignorant backlash is, well, you don't have children, but mm -hmm. you having children does not make you a good parent or a good steward not. and a manager of another life. Yep. Oftentimes, and, and now I get a lot of young adults that tell me they don't want to have children, and, that's, and I've been saying that, you know, probably the people that don't want to have children will be the best parents because mm -hmm. they will put more intention into the reality of raising a child. Right. Right. Where the people that just have accidental children mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're a good steward, you're a good parent yep. whatsoever. So that idea of you being part of the village mm -hmm. that helps them raise a child. Yep. You understand me? I think a lot of people, when they see this, you know, we had Queen Afua on mm -hmm. and Queen Afua was talking about how 
she was raising her child without a father, mm -hmm. right? Um, we had her son there with him, Supernova Slime, and he was saying that, you know, his father was on drugs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that what she decided to do was going to actively seek other masculine counterparts yep. within the community to mm -hmm. help raise and install certain principles and knowledge within, because she realized as a mother, she can't, she can't be his father, right? right. There's a lot mm -hmm. of mothers out there today that think that they replace the father. You never can. Nope. Right? Absolutely. That masculine energy, you understand me? He can't get that from you, mm -hmm. right? And so what you're doing, though, and, and what I'm hearing, though, is this concept of allowing parents, you understand me, to raise a child correctly by tapping into a community source, mm -hmm. right? But I want to get into the idea of how you were able to even fund this project, because mm -hmm. this is a, a worldwide community-led project. Yep. You understand me? How are you able to get it off the ground? You know, at such a young age, you working for Silicon Valley. You know what I'm saying? You rob a bank. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so originally, I funded the program. Me and my younger brother would yeah. go and uh, paint people's houses. Um, I would fix cars. I learned how to cut hair. I played the drums at church. So all of those were ways that I funded the program to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, you know, trying to ask people for donations in the community, et cetera, was not working out. Um, but of course, people would share things, you know, on social media, et cetera. But I couldn't get anybody to give. I'm just like, this costing me money, you know, my lights, yeah. you gotta, you know, they, they yeah, killing yeah, me, yeah. you know, I gotta feed these kids. So it's been plenty of nights with me and my boys ate hot and ready pizzas yeah. and beanies just and weenies. Out your pocket, that's the, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, I did, that's what I did from the beginning. And, um, you know, Brother Ben X uh, found me like my first year of the program. Um, and he saw when I took the boys on a, a field trip um, and I was teaching him about being the original man and um, he shared the video. This was like way, like two, like three years ago. And um, he shot me a message and, um, you know, I had been following him for a while and he was teaching about digital real estate. And um, so I started, um, I, I literally spent my last like little $200 on his course um, to learn how to, you know, market myself on social media. Because mm -hmm. I'm just like, people will like what I'm doing and people was already saying, you need to start posting it more. Because I wasn't really posting like that um, because that's, I was just like posting right, for right. what, you know. But no, a lot of people that do community work. Mm -hmm don't know the other route of actually getting it seen mm -hmm. because you have your heart in it. Yep. And then there's almost this thing where now if I'm showing it, I'm not doing it for the right reason. Exactly. And then a lot of people got to cut that out. Yeah, you'll get that backlash too. Um, that'll start. But, but um, those are not the people that fund it, so you don't need to listen to them. Exactly. Most of those people never even sent any money in the first place. But yeah, so um, after that, um, I started marketing the program on social media and slowly but surely we started getting a little traction, you know, here and there. And then um, I started posting on Twitter um, and I, I'll post on Twitter, you know, as consistent as I you know, could. But then one day I posted on Twitter about teaching the boys how to do sheetrock. We was doing sheetrock in an old apartment complex. And uh, this was my first year, uh, well, my yeah. second year uh, summer camp. And um, it went viral. Um, I was doing the sheetrock on Twitter. Mm. Um, and people started reaching out and um, it was it was mind blowing. Then a White House staffer saw what we were doing. We got invited to the White House, we got invited to the White House. I don't care how you feel about President Trump, whatever. That's, that's your business. But whatever. We got invited to the White House. We didn't care who was in there. We going to the White House. We some hood kids from Albany, Georgia. Yeah, we going to the White House. There, yeah. Huh? yeah, but um, they paid for everything for us. Um, they paid for our hotel, flights, everything. And uh, we got to see them and stuff. I mean, we had a great time. So but, how was President Trump? And I'll did did y'all meet with him? Or did we didn't, we didn't get to meet him directly um, because we saw him, but we didn't get to meet him directly because he had just got uh, free from COVID at the time. Um, but we heard, we, did, we heard from him and stuff like that. But the boys, my boys was just like, he ain't say nothing, we ain't, you know, he ain't say nothing bad. Like, and um, we went to watch the news after, you know, the speech he gave and watching the news say what he said versus what we heard was two different things. And we was like, 
so that's what TV do. You know, like mm-hmm. TV goes and twists stuff. But either way, that's neither here nor there. Um, Is that what led you into more of your political pundancy where you give your commentary? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, that's kind of like how I grew up, man. Um, because yeah. you are very effective communicators mm-hmm. and, and you speak, you know, uh, like a politician. I understood. You understand me? So where does that come from as well? And how did you get into more of the political conversation? Got you. Hold on. Let me answer my first question first. Let me jump past there. So originally after we went to the White House, um, uh, we started getting a little traction on social media, et cetera. And I had originally made a GoFundMe after we first went viral and we had raised like $20,000 the first week. This is before we had even went to the White House. We raised like $20,000 like that first week. And um, I was mind blown. Now, mind you, I ain't know nobody, no nonprofit, no LLC, none of that stuff. I ain't know none of that little stuff like that. People was like, hey, do you have a 501 c And I'm like, what is, what is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so then I had to get a manager. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And so they, you know, helped me get everything situated and stuff like that. Uh, fast forward uh, to March of 2021. Um, I went to Roland Martin show uh, to talk about voter suppression. Um, and me, you know, I'm big on do for self. Why would they want to restrict voting when you just had record turnout in Georgia? Well, let me start off by saying uh, you had me uh, mistaken. I'm not a Republican. I, I do consider myself conservative. No, 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 no. Actually, um, I didn't say but, Republican. I said you're conservative. Okay. I said you're conservative. Right, absolutely. That's what I said. Right. Yeah, I was saying that because you called me a Republican on Twitter. Um, however, uh, with this particular bill, I don't consider uh, voting my particular fight. Um, I do consider uh, voting an asset to us and maybe something we can use as a tactic to help. But as far as us pushing voting uh, all the way out, like voting is going to be some systemic change uh, for the black community, uh, to me, is, is not w- the way to go. Um, if you look at the uh, human anatomy of the body, uh, the body has as many different parts. And I do respect uh, you guys' fight you know, in regards to voting, but I don't consider myself uh, fighting uh, for the right to vote that much. Because do you not vote? We hadn't got anything. Do you from, not uh, vote? Government. Uh, I, voting is not my issue to fight. I believe. So, uh, so, so what's your issue to fight? Uh, my issue, I fight for young black men before they die. Um, and that's what I do in my organization. Um, I do teach them to vote, but I don't tell them that voting is going to be the in, be all end all. No one like says the be all the end promote. all, but it's a part of it. But you guys, but you guys promote voting like it's just going to change like the systemic outlook of the black community. That's not where it's at. We have to get out and go do for self in our own community. When I say do for self, you shared one of my tweets, uh, my videos, and I was actually a big fan of yours, but you shared one of my tweets. Uh, when I said black people need to stop begging the government and go and do for self out in our communities, you shared the video and called me an idiot. I didn't see anything idiotic about that statement at all. No, 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 no. All. So when you say do for self, like what? Mm-hmm. Explain that. Okay. Okay, for example, uh, here in Albany, Georgia, we complain about our school systems a lot. Many of our young men can't read. Uh, they have very hor- horrible literacy rates. We don't have any rehab programs here uh, for juvenile uh, offenders. What I decided to do, I started a program two years ago, decided to do for self, um, and I started taking children into my home. Uh, I started taking custody of kids from juvenile court, and I started molding them and training them and teaching them skilled trades, etc. Now I'm 21 years old. I just purchased a school here in Albany, Georgia to come back us being in the government-funded schools that are not teaching our children's, children what they need to learn. Um, so that's what I mean by do for self, simply getting up and going out and do it. So I have a question. the stereotype that I'm young black in America and I can't do anything because somebody's holding me down. So, Absolutely not. So a question. You, you, teenagers went and, go ahead. Me and some teenagers went and bought a school and we just bought a school bus simply from going out and doing work. We decided to go fix our own communities. I'm not expecting anything from no politician. I'm not expecting nothing from Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or nobody. We're going to go do it for ourselves. And that's what I believe we need to be doing. I can vote, sure, but nothing's going to change in our community. So, so you went to, and that's ex- simply what I explained. I'm just like, I don't yeah, like. I posted that bar. And, I, and I 
and I don't have a problem, you know, with voting at all. Do that, but I'm not stop marketing it like voting is just gonna save the world. You know, that's that's what's gonna fix our whole community. Yeah, we, no, we voting vote. jobs is the same on Negro song. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just that's and that was my point. I'm not saying you know we don't need the government and stuff like that. Sure, you know if they're gonna offer some help, cool. But I'm not waiting on them. We're gonna do for self, and that was the point. So anyway, that clip went viral, and we got so much attention. Celebrities, Rihanna started following me. I mean, it was the whole night. It, it, it yeah. happened, and um, you know that's when we got enough traction to it was you know um, consistent you know funding coming in all the time, and so um, in the process of me raising money, I started trying to go. Um, by a school from our local school system um, and we got into a, a long drawn out contract process with them it took us about seven to eight months to try and purchase this school that was up for demolition by the way um, and finally we get the contract back for them after like seven months and the contract state it had like six funny clauses in it but i'll re i'll tell you the, the main one that basically turned us off it said the deed of conveyance shall contain a use restriction that the property cannot be used for a private or a charter school mm. unless the school unless the school system teaches the curriculum. Mm. And I was just like, that's not what we're trying to do. Like yeah. we're trying to do our own thing. But they was like, well, we can you know redline it and you know redo it and all that. I'm just like, but if you're gonna give me this outright, you this is you're not right, gonna right. let me have my own stuff or whatever. That's so how we, America works. You never truly own it. Yeah. So I was just like, nah. You know. So we got into it with them for a little bit, and we had a big falling out with that. And you know, I just I just canceled negotiations, and so we ended up purchasing three small buildings um, on our south side of town in Albany, Georgia. So with us purchasing, those what's the timeline between all of this from um, conception to reality? 2019 to now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's about three years. Okay. Yeah, so um, we, that June 2021, well, excuse me, May of 2021, we purchased 40 acres of land on the south side of town, $100,000 cash. Uh, we um, bought that. and That's then, pretty good. Yes, very good. Uh, very good. And so then in June, we purchased three buildings um, for our school. That's, what was the cost of the buildings? $70,000. Very good. Yep, uh, seventy thousand dollars. I got more to Albany, man. What's yeah. going on? Man? Yeah, <laughs> the money sound like go Fargo. The cost of living there is very, very yeah. low. Um, so we purchased those three buildings for seventy thousand dollars cash, but um, they, they weren't, you know, they ain't that big. You know, they just they, we was just gonna start there. Mm -hmm. um, we, we weren't able to buy the school, so I was like, you know what, we're just gonna start somewhere because I'm not doing this whole. We're gonna try and find something else. We're just gonna find what we got and we'll work right here and we'll move forward. Um, but anyway, purchased those three buildings. The next month, my realtor hit me um, um, that was trying to sell us another building before. And we weren't able to raise the money for that in time. And she hit me, she said, King, there's a school downtown for sale. And I say, um, I've been living here my whole life. There's no school downtown for sale. Like, there's even, not even a school downtown. I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, no, it is a school downtown. She was like, the old Friendship Church has a school in it. Mm. Now, I went to pre-K um, at this place, but I had never, like, remembered what was in there. And I was just like, that's a church. She was like, no, it's a school with a church attached to it. So she was like, come tour it. So I went and looked at it, man, and um, it's 41,000 square feet, gym, cafeteria, mm. whole nine. I mean, yeah. it's everything I need. 25 classrooms, library, chapel, whole nine, man. And I was just like, what's we the cost? 400,000. So I said, well, man, we ain't got no money. I said, we just spent our money on this last building. And she was like, well, can you call some donors or something? And I was like, well, I wish I could. I said, but we literally been raising money for like two years now. And I was like, we just got these buildings. We want to start here. She was like, you can't let this go. And I, in my mind, I really can't because it was everything we needed. So I jumped out, stepped out on faith. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, and call, I called one of my donors. And um, he said, okay, King. He said, I'm going to trust you. 
We hadn't even got our 501c3 paperwork back yet. He said, I'm gonna trust you. He said, I'm gonna give you 20,000 to start out because we only needed 70,000 to get in the, in the door. So he said, I'm gonna give you 20,000 to start out. And I said, okay. So, but we need to raise 50,000. So I got on Twitter, I made a tweet. I said, listen, we need to raise $50,000 by Christmas. This was October. I said, we need to raise $50,000 by Christmas time to be able to get in this location. I posted that tweet and we raised $50,000 in 36 hours. Mm. 36 hours. Yes. I, it's a lot that I can draw from, from a lot that you just told me. Mm -hmm. uh, mostly, you know, the strategy and the implication of utilizing technology. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of activists, community organizers, you know, and people out there that want to do something similar that have ideas. Right. But, you know, you actually execute, right? Mm -hmm. But not only execute, in this digital age of social media, you know, uh, I talk about aggregate efficiency a lot. Mm -hmm. The amount of energy you put in based on the amount of energy you get out. Yep. You understand me? As somebody that wants to build a school, learning the, the strategies of how to implement, you know, digital real estate, if you will, mm -hmm. you understand me? And digital strategies in it is what allow us to be able to go further than we ever could have. Right. Because in old times, you know, you're just trying to get a simple GoFundMe, mm -hmm. that probably wouldn't have went very well. Because yep. it sounds to me, you was able to get four buildings, you understand me, yep. within three years, yep. by utilizing social media, mm -hmm. you understand me, and connecting your passion and your purpose to it. Right. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can learn from, just because within that, you know, if, if I want to start me in school today or anything, I'm utilizing that same exact type of rap that you just took. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of wanted to go through the numbers because it showcases what reality is. Yep. Now, I watched a bit of your uh, interview on Valuetainment. At the time, you said it was 1,500 donors. Mm -hmm. You understand me? How many of it is it now total? Last time I checked, 2,258 donors to the, to, down to the number. Now, yeah. how much has the, the highest donor given? My highest donor has given 50,000. 50,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so, two, two donors. Two donors give, gave 50,000. One so back 50, in the summer. And then, of course, you know, 400,000, is a, is, is a, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, 70,000 per building, $100,000 for 40 acres. Those are, those are the amazing deals you probably won't go find in the country, for mm -hmm. real. But yeah. at the same time, with 2,000 people being able to come there, you're about to change the trajectory of your whole community. Mm -hmm. And that's really was the whole point that I was getting to. It's like, in the way that we utilize NFT, especially when you talk about social impact or philanthropy, mm -hmm. you know, that could have easily been a NFT project, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that shit wasn't around back in those days. You feel me? It was yeah. around, but it wasn't prominent. It wasn't platforms that mm -hmm. you can use as a strategy, and people weren't educated on it. But imagine if you did have a two, 3,000-piece project mm -hmm. that allowed people to come in, buy in pieces of right. Right, what you wanted to do. And this is what mm -hmm. represented the back end of this project. Right. We're going to build up some schools. And then each one of those NFTs was a representation of a school, right? Mm -hmm or supplies or whatever right. a person wanted to give from 300 to $50,000, mm -hmm. depending on whatever they wanted to give. Right. This to me is the most important part of how we can utilize technology to mm -hmm. create social impact. Yep. You understand me? Like all around the world, and especially throughout America and the disenfranchised areas of America, there's people that are trying to figure out how to do exactly what you just did. Mm -hmm. But this is redevelopment of mental, physical infrastructure right. of the hoods of America. Mm -hmm. Whether you want to tackle the school system issues, because the school system is the most important key. Because mm -hmm. you not talking to the, I talk to a lot of stubborn adults on the consistent. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're talking to the most fertile minds where mm -hmm. you don't have to reprogram them. If you catch them young, mm -hmm. you don't have to wait till they later on give them a lesson by them getting shot, 
them right. uh, being in prison, you right. understand me, or them just going through the war of life. Mm -hmm. And then trying to reprogram an adult mind is hard. Yep. Yep. You understand me? So it's very commendable, but at the same time, it's very new age. Mm -hmm. You understand me? We've seen many people try to raise money. We've seen many people try to do a lot of different things, but just not effective. Right. You understand me? And I think that the model that you represent is a new effective model mm -hmm. that we can use. And it eliminates excuses. Mm -hmm. You know, because that moment you got that phone call, you could have just relented to say, no, we got three buildings. I took on enough responsibility. Yep. But knowing what you actually need to make the real impact and mm -hmm. to complete the vision, now nah, we're going to put ourselves back out there, yep. implement the strategy, step out on faith, execute, and it happened. Yep. And then another part of that is, when I look at your situation, you know, there, unfortunately, we need a lot of, you have an ability to transmute the chaos around you, mm -hmm. to focus directly on what your intentions are, yep. right? Even when other platforms, I'm sure, contacted you through the Roland Smith, uh, Martin thing, uh, because they knew that they could use that. Number one is heightened and went viral, but mm -hmm. also black men going at each other anytime. It's something it. we love to highlight. Yep. So tell me why you don't like this black man. Tell me y'all differences. And yep. it's like, well, let me focus on this school right now. I said I made sure yeah. not to play into that. You know, I've reached out to, you know, Brother Roland uh, multiple times, you know, trying to do a partnership yeah. because. And how know, did those talks go? Um, I, I think, you know, it's still a little hostility there, you know. Just yeah, I don't think Roland liked me much. I ain't yeah. never had it much to say, but he, yeah. Yeah, anyway. I went for one thing, you know, I appreciate him just even allowing me to come on the platform because if how, it, how did that come about? Um, well, originally on Twitter, uh, you know, I was following our uh, brother Roland on Twitter, and um, you know, I was, I mean, I was a fan. Of, I watched the show. That was and stuff OG like that. at first. Yeah, he was OG. <laughs> you know, I'm just like it's Roland Martin. You know, like I that. Was just that. Yeah, he was a, he was like an OG. That's Roland <laughs> Martin. You know, and um, you know, I made a tweet. Oh about black people doing for self. And I was just like, you know, we need to start doing for self in our community and stop waiting on, you know, yeah, the simple. government, stuff like that. But he shared it and called me an idiot. And I was just like, how am I an idiot if we're saying that we should start doing Man, for self? Man, that's the same brother who has an issue of white companies not giving him money for black media and spreading mm -hmm. that budget. But the idea of doing for self is that, yes, we can wait on them to do the right thing or we can do the right thing ourselves, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's a simple message that all leaders throughout time have had, mm -hmm. right? And that old Negro spiritual dependency model ain't never worked for us. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be needed to do it yourself. You wouldn't be needed to create yeah. the school. You would be able to easily go get you some government funding for it. But right. we know that they give us a loan to go to their institution. You understand me? Predatory loans often with high interest rates. Right. You understand me? But they won't give you a loan to start a, a business, exactly. to start a school, mm -hmm. right? So the model to do for self, you know, and we don't believe in that whole Jim Crow idea of separate young generation from old, so right. we try not to fall into that. But there's just certain people that don't deserve a platform in our community. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And I say that because anytime there's a young man doing anything, I don't care if you went to go see Trump, I don't care whatever our political differences may be if we right. were to get into the meat of that, right. that shit don't matter to me. Don't the fact that either. you're changing young black men's lives on mm -hmm. a consistent and daily basis, there shouldn't be an old man, a young woman, black woman, any color shouldn't say shit about that. They should just be in full support, right? right? But at the same time, sometimes you need that just to get on those platforms. That's exactly. how America works with the right. chaos, yep. energy. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't have that argument, look how many, so many other opportunities wouldn't open up. Absolutely, right? I agree. And you know, it's dangerous to create situations of clout to convert that into percentages of mm -hmm. benefit. But at the end of the day, that's how America works. Absolutely. You understand mm -hmm. me? We're driven off chaos, we're driven off violence. We're driven off ignorance mm -hmm. rather than saying that, hey, I have something positive going on. Support this. Yeah, I ain't got time for that. Yeah, I'll say as much as you, man, 
you know, I tell people all the time, you know, who are trying to get, you know, where I am or where I'm going. I said, y'all have no idea how many times I had to ride around my city, yeah. you know, looking at abandoned buildings and then calling the people who own the buildings just for them to say, no, you can't have it, even though it's beat yeah. up and broke down, trying to find stuff for my school or just even trying to make ends meet and things like yeah. that or trying to promote the program to people or going to these different conferences, paying money, trying to speak to somebody and tell them what I'm doing and nobody want to listen to you and stuff like that. Kind of reminds me of Kanye Doc when he playing. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, All yeah. falls down to everybody and nobody ain't listening. Like, he know it's a banger. So yeah. it's like me. I know, I knew this was a, a thing that I hadn't seen being done before. And I'm like, especially not with this model. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know it's going to work. I'm like, so I'm going to keep pushing it because I know, I know it's the truth. Peace family is 19 keys tapping in. Do you have the knowledge to be able to teach your child cryptocurrency how to build wealth? Do you have the knowledge to be able to teach them NFTs? See, I know a lot of you all think that you love your children, but I believe that love is an act and it's a duty. A lot of you all think that you love yourself, but you're depriving yourself knowledge that you can be utilizing in order to invest and live a better life. And that same knowledge can help produce a better life for your child. Now, if you learn this simple information by taking a few courses, you understand me? You have the ability to be able to teach, discuss it, and learn a whole new language, which also builds you a whole new life. So therefore, the next time that you stare your child in the eye, you can actually be honest when you say that you love them because you know you're doing every single thing to set them up for the future. Make sure you tap into Infinite Wealth Strategies. We'll teach you financial literacy. We'll teach you, put you in the community, teach you how to write books, teach you how to produce a book for your child if you got one, teach you how to set up your portfolio, how to set up your trust, and a multitude of other different things that is involved in it. Take your first step in building a better future. Join Infinite Wealth Strategies and become a strategist of wealth. Tap in. So is the goal um, duplication? Absolutely. Um, so eventually, um, after we get our feet wet this year, 
um, and open up, you know, another grade next year. I do plan to push it around uh, not just our city, but go, you know, slowly start to branch out around Georgia and then, you know, eventually across the United States. Do you have anything virtual as a component that that's what I want to implement? So, so many parents do ask all the time, is there a virtual way for you to do the book club? Is there a virtual way for you to do this and that? You know, and right now I have a team to just create all of that at the moment. But of course, we're working toward getting virtual for students who are just not able to be there. I would like probably to help. I'm always trying to fit. Right now, it's like, even with myself, because what I hear what you're doing, I wouldn't have the time to do it unless I put together a team to manage exactly. everything. Exactly, right? because yeah, I, I have a lot on my plate already and then trying to add something else, right. it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know that's a vertical for a lot of corporations and a lot of different mm-hmm. people who do have money that would love to get involved. Like one of the models that we're playing with right now is just learn to earn, yep. or uh, uh, earn to learn rather. Teaching mm-hmm. people, you understand me, the right skill sets, but at the same time getting um, everybody else to fund that, right? right? Um, and I think that that's a model that can work specifically with what you got going on. There's millions of dollars for that particular vertical, mm-hmm. but taking it from what you're doing in Albany, Georgia as a successful model, because of course that needs to be focused mm-hmm. there so that the lives are changed there. Right. But then duplicating that from a digital landscape, mm-hmm. I think is super key. Yep. Because what I see the future of this, man, is going to be amazing because, you know, we have Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey created that... Um, What's the program? Science, tech, STEM, STEAM, STEAM, STEAM rather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics. But he did that because he didn't want the brand of black men and women to be ignorant. Right. You understand me? He wanted to prove that we weren't just niggas. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And so he created that STEAM model. And of course, that was implemented through all throughout America. The same way the Breakfast Club from the Black Panthers implemented all mm-hmm. throughout America. So black men in this country have a long history you know, of transforming the education, right. you understand me, institution in this country, because we see what's wrong, because mm-hmm. we see what doesn't benefit us. Right. You know, and when, you know, I was with the uh, former Reform Alliance um, and speaking with their presidents and just kind of going over some of the statistics, mm-hmm. you know, that black men fall under. Specifically, black men are like the worst in all categories. Yep. Murder, you understand me, disease you know, poverty, like all of those rates. Mm-hmm. And right now what we deal with is that every other minority takes the place of the black man as if those same statistics don't exist. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden it's like, this the new minority, this the new movement, but we still suffering with the same problems at higher rates than anybody else, yep. right? And so specifically for you to have a young boys, the education is an intervention. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Before yep. it's needed and while it's happening. Mm-hmm. So like, to grab somebody and take them out the environment and give them a better one, that's going to create the new black man of the future. Mm -hmm. You understand me? That now can, you know, uh, uh, resist being a part of those statistics Mm -hmm. because they got a different mental environment and fortitude, Mm -hmm. right? Even setting the example for them. I know a lot of people, um, you know, pay attention to me and stuff like that, but I'm just like, you know, I have to set an example for them too. I'm always like having to watch what I'm doing all the time and even telling my boys about my, my, my personal failures and things like that. Sure, it may not hit the timeline or something like that, but I tell all my boys everything that really? goes on. So transparency. You know, literally, they know everything there is to know about me. Um, they can't even, um, like if something were to come out or something like that, my boys already, they we already know that. Mr. King already told us, yeah. you know, because I want them to see, you know, life gonna happen, you know, then I also have mistakes that I've made that I'm gonna tell them about, like, listen, don't go do that same crap or whatever. This happened to me and this is what went wrong. This is what I don't want to happen to you. You know, so things happen, you know, and um, I know- I was But it also to... ain't about being perfect. Right, right, I think right. that the beauty of 
I think the beauty of it is that being able to allow young leaders that happen to be in that leadership position, like the idea of leaders is mm -hmm. like, you know, end of the day, I get that all to a lot, man. That's the only real leader. Right. You understand me? And we try to follow directions as much as we can when we get a cause, but it's never about the person. Right. You understand me? It's about the principles and yep. what they represent and what they embody. Mm -hmm. I don't expect no human being on this planet Earth to be perfect. Yep. You understand me? You can tell me something about King today. It don't matter to me. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Because the principles he represents and the impact he has and how that's going to carry on throughout time. Yep. I think we're giving too much of a burden. The good ones in our society are giving too much of a burden mm -hmm. for perfection right. when it's an impossibility. Yep. And that's often so that everybody else judges them mm -hmm. instead of assist them, counsel them, help them. Exactly. You understand me? To carry on whatever mission that they had tied to them in the first place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like. It don't, it don't change the mission. Yeah. Things, things going to happen. You're going to do stuff that is every single person like. Uh, anybody tries to come say something about this, I'm like, listen, bro, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care. That, yeah. What does that got to do with what he did? Yeah. You know, or even that whole, you know, every time Martin Luther King Day crew come around, they come yeah. around. Oh, he he did. He stepped out of this. I'm like, what that got to do got with what this with man it. did? I don't, you know I don't care about his personal life. His personal business ain't got nothing to do. We with know me. he wanted integration anyway. It's, so especially, I'm saying, especially you know, grown men. <laughs> One thing I don't like is grown men in another grown man personal life. I'm like, bro, like that. that ain't, but you know, we living in the emasculation era, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. the taking that strength away from men, period, mm -hmm. right? This is something that, you know, we talk about just men, period. When we talk about the emasculation of black men, I seen um, it was a sister, um, I think Terry Vaughn is her name. Mm, I know that and person. she asked the question, mm -hmm. what can black women do to help with the emasculation of black men? Yeah, I said Tashina Arnold posted that question yeah. the other day on Twitter, yeah. And uh, it might have been her. I might have just had those two confused, actually. So a lot of people attacked her mm -hmm. instead of actually just answering the question. Yep. Because people act like emasculation isn't real. You can look up the defini definition of what emasculation is. Well, they said is. it's rooted in misogyny and homophobia and but all that, all the buzzwords. You got to ask, first of all, don't <laughs> ask people to who the problem is not directly connected to. Ask mm -hmm. black men if it's real. Yep. You understand me? Because if we say it's real, you can't ignore what we feel mm -hmm. and what we think. Yep. You understand me? Because part of that is the emasculation itself, mm -hmm. that what you feel is not valid. You don't have yep. the power to make space for yourself in this world and talk about your issues mm -hmm. as if they real. So it's, at the end of the day, a black woman asking what should she do is already doing a lot yep. because everybody else ignores it as if it doesn't exist. Yep. And if we can look at the statistics that are lined up, of how many of us are going to prison or dying or killing each other, or murder, there's an issue there. Mm -hmm. That's not the masculation of black men. That's the right. emasculation. Because mm -hmm. ones that step into their strength and their power are not going to fall by those weak statistics. Absolutely. So you're talking about wanting black men in the household. That's the masculation. You want, there's yep. a lack of black teachers throughout America. Mm -hmm. You understand me? That's the one area that women ain't got to fight for equality because there's exactly. always been women teachers because yep. white men seen it back in the day that said that it was a woman's job. They mm -hmm. looked at it as a feminine position. Right. So therefore it always been a low paying job. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're not getting the proper funding. Right. The young boys are not getting the proper leadership mm -hmm. and that in turn affects communities right. for eons. Mm -hmm. So it's like the emasculation is talking about the restoration of putting things back in its proper order and balance. Mm -hmm. Every issue that you have with a man 
can lead back to how he's been emasculated. Yep. You understand me? Almost, almost Us killing time. each other is an emasculation that's, thing. That's even because of how, you know, we get angry. See, granddad taught, you know, growing up, you don't argue standing up. You know, you do you do certain stuff. You know, granddad taught you growing up. He taught you how to be mad. You know, when you saw granddad get mad, he just loved. He said don't argue standing up. No, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he <laughs> taught, he just taught little stuff, you what, know. you go punch somebody? Yeah, throw I, something? I, I don't know what. I kind of get it, but you know, OGs be having that wisdom. Bro, granddad got a so much wisdom, man. But yeah, my uncles <laughs> them teach me, you know, little stuff. You know, I don't understand why they say it sometimes until it's, it's it hit me. Right, right. And I'm right. just like, okay, I get it now. Right. You know, but I, every kid ain't got that. I had a village of men. You know, my mom, my first, my first stepdad. You know, he taught me how to work on cars and work yeah. on houses. He taught me how to paint cars. He taught me how to weld. We shot animals. We skimped them. Whatever. He was a country guy. Yeah. Or whatever. My so mom. You went through rites of passage. Yeah, but then my second stepdad, because my mom, my mom always said my first stepdad. He's a great father, horrible husband. It's the funniest thing ever. But then uh, my second stepdad, he taught me this side of me, the yeah. you know, shirt and tie, you know, how to give an interview type stuff. He was a detective uh, on the first 48, Detective Hardaway okay. in DeKalb County. But um, he taught me this side, you know, yeah. how, to, how to put on a suit, how to tie your tie, how to, you know, be be this person. So it's like I got the best of both where I can go home and go build a shed in the backyard and go feed the dogs, go go have some chickens and all that. Then I can go out and put on a suit yeah. you know, and make things happen. But every kid ain't got those men. So usually I tell the boys all the time about how they get angry, you know, and I always compare it sometimes like <laughs> I always compare it to like, uh, I guess they call them bad bees on Instagram like that. And I'm just like, why are you like clapping back at me? Like, I'm like, what you clapping <laughs> back for? If I go tell you, yeah. if I say stop talking while I'm talking and I yeah. make them go do high knees or something like that, they're like, oh man, but Mr. King, I'm like, stop. Why are you clapping back at me like you, like you on Instagram right, model or right, something? Right. Stop clapping back. Yeah. You, you, I watched you do it wrong. Shut your mouth and go do it or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's just little stuff like that or how they get angry. I'm like, you can't get the same angry your mama get because we can kill somebody. I'm like, you will kill somebody. So they'd be like, well, why, why would he kill somebody over stepping on his shoe or, or something so small? I'm like, watch how his mom blows up, you know? And, and I, I hate to get into this conversation because they're like, well, what you trying to say about women? I'm like, we know, like, I know how my mom gets angry or whatever. And my mom gets like this fireball. My grandma too just get this fireball angry, but they not going to do nothing. But if I get that type of angry, I'm going to want to kill yeah, you. Yeah, you want to release. Yeah, I'm going to want to like knock somebody and out also or do something. And also the consequences are more. Right, exactly. You understand me? Yeah. Like, if a woman kind of push you and you push her, that's two different forces. Absolutely. You, you, you might actually be able to cause blunt trauma. Mm -hmm. You understand me? You might can kill her. That's different. Yep. Rather than she push you and it's like, all right, chill out. You're doing too much. Babe. Exactly. So mm -hmm. it's like we have different responsibilities with yep. knowing our own physicality and exactly. our strength. And we got testosterone. And, and dad has to teach you that. Or even like a young girl growing up without her dad and never seeing a man be strong. Like seeing him pick up a sofa or whatever. So it'll be easy for her to try a man growing up, like want to fight him or something. Cause she ain't never seen no man be strong before. You know, but her growing up, seeing her dad carrying, you know, her brothers and sisters on the arm or seeing him be strong walking in the house or, you know, raise his voice or whatever. She'll be reluctant to try a guy cause she's seen her dad be strong the whole life. Yeah. But for her, ain't never had no dad or never seen no man like get serious or nothing like that. She'll go slap a man or go beat him up or whatever. But then, oh my God, or she might get killed or, whatever because she ain't see her daddy be strong like little little small stuff well, like that let me let me ask you something on the uh, back to what you said a little mm -hmm. earlier so like having two stepfathers how does that affect you know uh, your ideas you understand me around raising other young men mm -hmm. you said what did the first stepfather do I mean, first stepfather's a country guy country uh, guy he taught me how to you know 
have animals. Like, we grew all our own food. We had fruit trees. Uh, we killed animals, scant them. We grew our own seasons in the backyard. Yeah. Anything we wanted to eat, we went outside and picked it. We like, built our sheds. Yeah, I so said we built sheds. We built our dog houses. We built our chicken pens. We built our rabbit pens. We built everything. We welded our own grills. We painted our own cars. We did everything like that. He taught me all that practical stuff I know how to do with my hands. He taught me that. Okay, and mm-hmm. then your second stepfather, you said he was on First 48? Yeah, he's a, he, did, he was a detective. He's retired now, but he's a shirt and tie wearing guy, uh, can you know, go in a courtroom and handle the court, you know, like this guy. So know? that's where you get your poise from. That's man. where I get my poise from, my so how does, skills. You know, as black men, how does that affect the way you look at police officers? Um, I don't, this is my thing, and I, people ask that all the time. I think it's bad people in all jobs. It's terrible doctors, terrible police, etc. Um, but all in all, you know, I don't think every, the whole police force, you know, needs to be abolished or nothing like that. I don't think so. I think if we, if we got rid of all the police right now and who, go, who, who are we going to call? You know, because we ain't not here with our own, you know, uh, you I know, think the idea was community. defunding rather than abolishment. And I think, um, even with the defunding piece, uh, I still don't think personally that is the complete answer and... Well, the defunding was about divestment of funds mm-hmm. that are overly allocated to a force. Right. You understand me? That's not effective. Exactly. Right? So, like, I don't know what the allocation is in Albany, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You understand me? But... And, and it's different for every city because, like, our city, yeah, we, we're completely understaffed. Like, one night we had four officers on patrol at night and we, like, number one in crime for you know, Georgia. So like sometimes it's, it's really honestly for where it's at because we need, we honestly do, even black people to tell you like, we need more police. So I think that's live. probably where we lazy at though. Mm-hmm. Because the answer to, you know, uh, bringing the crime rate down is not, never more police. Absolutely it not. don't work anywhere. Yeah, they yeah, run yeah. armies that, in yeah. Chicago. They mm-hmm. have a standing army, one of the largest armies mm-hmm. in the world in New York. Mm-hmm. So like bringing more police is never the answer. Oh yeah, I agree with that. It's mm-hmm. the development of the communities and the environment. Developing their mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that there's no cities, well, I don't know every city, you understand me? But when you're talking about major cities that deal with major problems, cause I come from, I was born in St. Louis, raised in mm-hmm. Oakland. So right. we always in major crime cities, mm-hmm. right? And both of those places have some of the most corrupt cops. Oh, right? yeah. Like St. Louis is some of the most disrespectful cops mm-hmm. and crooked cops. Even where I live. Just yeah. on yeah. record. Like mm-hmm. it's just certain cops that are famous for being crooked. Right. Putting drugs on people, <laughs> killing people in the neighborhood. Right. That's just a normal. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like, let's put more of them. Hell no. Nah. But the ideas of creating schools and putting money into the beautification of those areas mm-hmm. and creating programs so that if you take that allocation of millions of dollars towards teaching people skill sets so yep. that they can earn, mm-hmm. you understand me, and make a living yep. and decreasing the uh, environments of food deserts mm-hmm. and things of that nature, that changes the environment. Absolutely. Like, factors that change you the environment. You have to fix the mind. You know, the scripture says, you know, as a man think of, so is he. So we teaching people how to think or what to think or, you know, different ways of thinking. We can definitely change the outlook of our communities. As far as immediate things, I definitely say, you know, regardless, you know, like where I live, like we have four to six officers on patrol one night. We just absolutely need more because people, not even just for criminal stuff, people call the police for other things too. You know, and uh, for but see, then, 11 then, to 15 minutes response time is, is terrible. You I know, think that's probably where, where we need. So I understand the, 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 the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like I've seen in certain cities, I think it's San Francisco, where they rolled out. Instead of police come, health workers come. Yeah. They mm-hmm. deal with mental health issues. I and agree things with that, of that too. Yeah. But that's why I say we lazy. Right. Because the so answer don't is actually police, put, which yeah. are mm-hmm. mostly undertrained people that yep. just throw on the they badge getting a the job. Yep. They're not intelligent. They're not trained. Nope. None of those things. So they're gonna mm-hmm. not going to be as confident on the job. So they're right. going to make blunders, mistakes and issues. They mm-hmm. don't know the law. 
None of those yep. things. So most they of don't them know are the law. That, that's the crazy under training yep. got issues. Mm -hmm. It's like if we really want to solve a problem, you got to look at the root of it. Yep. What causes it? Yeah. Right. And uh, nowhere in America you can say, well, this was the cause of the problem and mm -hmm. the police was the solution. Nope. <laughs> yep. No, the police are just their security guards. Exactly. That protect the corporation of the United States. You understand me? And their property and, and try to manage you. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't, they're going to throw you in somebody else's property yep. under 13th Amendment. And now you're just a slave. Yep. That's the literal concept of the reality of America. That's it. Yes, so. Would you, let's say that if the city said, well, we don't need more police officers, we need more King Randalls, we need more schools, let's mm -hmm. divest money into building schools, right? Right. This is how we start to reform the community. We lazy when mm -hmm. it comes to movement revolution, because right. we usually take ideas that are predecessors before that, mm -hmm. that we looked up to or we aspire to, and we try to duplicate that in our time, but not utilizing the new tools and resources, mm -hmm. or studying more effective ways to go about you know, eliminating these challenges that we have. Right. You feel me? Like, you know, it's, it's a sad thing when mostly everybody you know from your old hometown is dead mm -hmm. or in jail. Right. That creates trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, average Americans sometimes don't ever have to get into a fight. Right. You understand me? There's some people that don't know about what it's like to miss a meal mm -hmm. or to grow up with rodents in the environment or, or you know, roaches and things of that nature. Right. You know, or walking outside and not knowing that you might get shot at or killed. You understand me coming back or having a friend that was murdered. Right. So it's like there's a lot of traumatic challenges that a young boy goes through throughout their life. Yeah. You understand me? That the rest of America just know nothing about. Mm -hmm. So like if I see an angry black man, I can understand why you're angry. Right. You understand me? Mm -hmm. Like you're supposed to be in the, the so-called land of dreams, but you live a nightmare. Right. You understand me? Mm -hmm. And those the representation of the two sides of America. Right. And so often if you privilege, then that privilege don't allow you to understand people who aren't privileged, mm -hmm. but that's the privilege itself. Right. So when a person has a perspective about something and they say, listen, well, I think it should be this way. Or we face this challenge. And the other right. person be like, well, I don't see it that way. And yes. I, and I honestly think. Because you lived a better life. Right. And I think it's important that we have conversations. That's why I love conversations because it's extremely important because you teach people who don't know anything about you or they assume things about you. And then you can actually go tell them, no, this is what's actually happening. Like kind of like I was playing you off the off camera about going to CPAC and things like that. And people are like, well, why are you going to why are you going Fox News and things like that? I'm like, bro, I'm like. You should want me to go and talk to these people. I'm like, it's important that I go talk to them because now these people are, are understanding now because they're like, oh, I ain't never heard nobody tell me, you know, about the black community like this before. You know, I'm like, no, this is, I need to go tell them this stuff because then they're in support now. Now these people are listening, actually listening to what's being said. Do you think that Fox News are in support or the constituents that you reach through Fox News are in support? Um, I will say, I wouldn't say Fox News is Fox News, just like CNN and CNN, they support themselves. Um, Lawrence Jones is uh, the contributor who always brings me on. He's another black man who always makes sure to highlight other black people that are doing okay. good things in the community. But he's a Fox News contributor, so people are calling him silly. I'm like, but all he do is bring black people on to go talk about what they're doing to that, you know, audience. But I've been on CNN, too, and things like that. Um, but, yeah, speaking to that audience and then going to different events like CPAC and things like that and explaining to people, no, this is what's going on in the black community that you're not hearing about because they'll have all these different stereotypes and things like that. I'm like, no, this is what's actually happening. And they listen. They're just like, I didn't know that, you know, but now they can understand and not be racist or whatever like that because now they are understanding and they are listening. Half of them you just need to come and have a conversation with. They'll listen. I think most people just think that it's to no avail that it doesn't actually have any real progress or change. It's like, 
I'll say because it's like let's say this mm -hmm. when you said about the children, right? Mm -hmm. The children you need them having a boarding school environment because mm -hmm. as soon as they go back home, they go back to their vices. So it's right. like they around King Randall, they're getting a little consciousness, they're getting a little bit. As soon as they go back to home, the environment of racism mm -hmm. is a dominant frequency that gets them back into that culture. Right. Right. Because mm -hmm. I look at, like I, I've been telling people lately, like race is a subscription to culture and values. Mm -hmm. Right. So that like when you call yourself black specifically, right, mm -hmm. then you are saying that I subscribe to the culture of other people connected to that same frequency, those norms, those values over there. And then some people call themselves African-American, mm -hmm. right? But the American part is always a part that we've been robbed of. And then mm -hmm. the Africans like, well, you don't know where you're from over there. So we say, well, let me channel the, 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 that energy right. that I know I'm connected to original source and I'll call that black, mm -hmm. right? And so I say, I have to say this is that when we are making our decisions about political alliances, mm -hmm. where we go strategically. There's people that are on the opposite side of you always have a slither of truth of when course. they're in criticism. Oh, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Cause it's not what they saying is completely out of tune. It's just that the perspective and the strategy that you have mm -hmm. is not aligned with the people that you are using. Let's right. just say that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, at the end of the day, you gotta be spooks and messiahs. You understand me? The spooks are the ones who sit beside the door, get the information, bring it back to the people. Yep. The messiahs are the ones who got to be in front and actually deliver that information. But right. everybody got to be in different positions across mm -hmm. the planet. And I when agree. people hear this frequency and this transmission, I want black people in all areas. I don't care what you claim to be in front of the world. Mm -hmm. I want you to remember this, though. You understand me? That you can be with us even if we don't know you for us. Yep. Because there's things that you can do behind the scenes. There's resources, there's access that you have, mm -hmm. and you can play your role. Mm -hmm. But if you actively decide to be in a role in a position and that you can benefit us and you don't use it intentionally, yep. then you're against us. Right. And that's it. I don't care how melanated you are, mm -hmm. how many people in your line of descent, uh, 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 ancestors, none of that matters unless that you are intentional and adding to the diaspora in some progressive manner based yep. on the position that you in. Yep. And it's always going to bear witness, you know, who's for the community and who's not, no matter what side of the aisle you on or whatever. I always talk about dual domination and that's that's something I speak about all the time. That's operating on whoever in office, I'm gonna use use them for whatever I need to use them for to get what I need for my community, period. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, I don't care what you got to say, I'm gonna go talk to whoever could yeah. get me some resources for my community as long as I know ain't nothing behind it or you know, no ulterior motives or nothing like that. Or and I know how to govern myself. Trust me to govern myself while I get this stuff for my community. And that's what I do. So of course people are gonna say stuff for you this and you that, you this and that. I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing to, to, to assist or make it so I don't have to go talk to nobody or something well, that, like that? So, no, that's a super key right there. Yeah, like, I'm just like, you gotta, you gotta assist. Or even with, uh, like, um, like police. So uh, I think two years ago, we had this white van um, that was chasing children at bus stops in my hometown. Mm. Um, and at first we thought it was like somebody playing a game until some kids like, was like, nah, this white van following yeah, us at these yeah, bus yeah. stops every morning. So our women, our women was on Facebook, like making prayers and oh my God, everybody, you know, like everybody was panicking, all our women. And so I made a video and I was just like, I don't understand why it's so many of us men here in Albany that can't just get up in the morning and go walk our kids to the bus stop in the morning and make sure, you know, stuff is going okay. I said, it's enough of us that they ain't got no job from six to seven o'clock in the morning to go watch, stand at the bus stop for an hour with these kids and make something happen. So it went locally viral. And man, like the next day, every bus stop was full of men. 
everywhere. Um, it was full of men. We had us a little uh, a little crew together. We had got our yellow vest, and some of us would ride around. We would ride around and just make sure all the stops were safe, make sure we didn't see no vans. We, this, this lady, um, it was a whole bunch of ladies, actually. They had made them a little group to support us for going to, you know, watch the bus stops. I was like, it was so cool to see women happy that men were being men. Absolutely. They got us coffee in the morning. They bought yeah. our reflective vest. Yeah. They make sure we had what we needed in the morning. And we did that for like three weeks straight. And then until somebody actually saw the white van man and ran them off, we didn't have to do that again. Yeah. You know, but I wanted to keep that actually repetitive. But that's little stuff we can do. I'm like, there's no reason that our women is online, like making prayers and all that stuff. And when we could just nah. go answer that and go stand out and be and be that God well, and go out there and make that happen for our community. And it was a beautiful thing to see and to see it, you know, get ran off, you know, by one of the men because they called. And it was like, hey, bro, we just ran into the white man. You know, he just sped off some, some old white dude or whatever. But never saw him again. Kids never had no issues, you know, and those men like. It was just crazy to see all those men at the bus stops with these kids. Like, they out there in their pajamas, whatever, they out there. You know, and it was great to see all the men riding around in their cars with the little reflectors we had on our cars to let people know who we was riding around. I mean, it was a beautiful thing to yeah. see, you know. Um, but the little stuff like that is what we can do to even alleviate, you know, some of the pressure, maybe on police or whatever like that. I think our community should be a, a together thing, um, like even, um, like me. I tell people all the time, I'd rather a police that was raised in my community and, you know, Absolutely. police in my community. I don't think that's the only way it should be. Yeah, I, th I think if, if, if like me, like me raising these kids, if I got a kid that want to be a police officer, I'm not going to discourage him from doing that. I'm going to raise him to be, I you think know, the naivety of it, though, I think the reality of it is, is that we believe that police officers are actually there to help us, though, too. I agree with that. You I understand agree. me? Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the system, is, and not that I don't think, I know that the system is not currently made in the way that we wish it was. Mm -hmm. You understand Absolutely. me? They have and, and honestly, what you're saying that, even people would think uh, the, the opposite, but white people agree. Yeah, they mm -hmm. know. I mean, they mm -hmm. they be in upper arms more than we are. They absolutely. You understand me? The they do not. Spin it when one we thing, do. one thing about them, they do not like government tyranny. They will tell you that real quick. Oh so, yeah, but so, listen, <laughs> we in April. They will say that to you real quick. April is, you know, the, at the time that this is shot, this is in April, mm -hmm. right? And April is one of the the biggest months for terrorism. Mm -hmm. And that terrorism started from the Waco incident, trying to live sovereign against the land and the government said, no, you Oh can't yeah, I remember, that. I'll say my dad, uh, well my, my former, uh, well my current stepfather, excuse me, um, did, had you know um, worked with the FBI a little bit and um, he was giving me a little information on the Waco incident. He wasn't working with them at the time. Um, of course he had to work with them to solve different murders and stuff like that. Um, but at that time, you know, he was explaining to me some of the, 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 tra the it was a tragedy for them and they don't like to talk about it, you know, yeah. at, the, at the bureau. And, you know, he was all of the kids and stuff that died in there. About exactly. The and so they don't never like to bring up Waco or nothing. And then nobody ever really talks about it. And I'm like, that was a, a huge tragedy. All could y'all bothering folk. You know, no matter what was going on out there, y'all didn't really know what was going on because nobody had no cameras right. there, no undercover people. Y'all just went, went in there, you know, hot. And that was it. And you that know? from that incident, it sparked so many other ones. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Timothy McVeigh was said to be in attendance that day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where he sparked his. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anti-government stances, mm -hmm. right? 
So he was then uh, inspired by somebody else who tried to blow up the Oklahoma building. Then right. he decided to go do it successfully, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then he inspired the uh, Columbine shooting. You understand uh, me? Uh -huh. So the Columbine shooter said they was inspired by him. A lot of it just... Right. Yep. So you got this timeline, and he was a part of a, um, a militia during that time. Part of that same militia that we've seen over the past year, he was a part of that. Mm -hmm. But there's a linear timeline that we can see in American history to where white folks are more anti-government than... You know, us, anybody. They, they talk the about insurrection it. on the Capitol steps, we see that. Bro, we, we listen, and, and like I told, I don't care what nobody said. I told black people this. I said, for one, I don't think that they was wrong for that. I'll say yeah, that. me and Michael, she talked about that I last said, time. I said, I think, while we talking about the police, while y'all burning down y'all own community, that's where y'all should have been. Yeah. At the Capitol. At well, the actual government. I, think I said, the, the, I said the, honestly, I said, y'all should have joined them with y'all own movement. I think the, the idea <laughs> was the fact that well, first we know that it would have turned into a bloodbath. Oh yeah, it'd be black people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we don't in the, in this country, black people don't really feel we have rights. Fred right? Hampton. Fred Hampton was is one of my big inspirations too. I love Fred Hampton. He was killed at 21 years old mm -hmm. because of his linking so many right, people his together. ability to bring black, Even wild, brown, Dr. King, everybody together. Dr. King, same thing. He would they was cool with him up until he was finna start some type of insurrection yeah, type thing. Yeah, economics And they couldn't do anything with him bringing everybody like up there. Like they could deal with just black people because they maybe just gonna shoot them and beat them up or whatever. But he like, oh nah, you bringing white folks up here too and Hispanic folks up here too. And, and like, okay, you gotta go. Right. You know, I'm like, that's when he had to go. Right. Like he, they was fine with him, with the black people and just marching and all that. But when he was trying to, you know, come for some paper and go to the government because they was taking a million men to Washington to go camp out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, and, they ain't had none of that. They weren't, they weren't finna have that, man. But I'm like, we could, if we could make some type of movement in, this, in the same manner, and I think that's the one thing I do love about my platform is that I have so, like, my following is so diverse. When I went to London, I had a big, you know, uh, following over there. And, you know, I got followers in Australia, India, China, all these people, you know, supportive from everywhere, you know, but they all agree with the same message. And I say the same stuff that we talk about all the time. I share my Malcolm videos. I talk about, you know, the pro-black stuff, whatever. And these people don't be a Agreeing with what I be disagreeing with what I be saying. Oh no, and no. I be like, I, I mean, like, all across the planet Earth, the people are dissatisfied yep. with government power. Exactly. They people always are dissatisfied talk about with big oligarchy power, yep. totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. I think everywhere you go across the planet Earth, there's going to be a line of dissatisfaction that you can yep. reach directly into the hearts mm -hmm. of the people and saying that isn't this our issue? Yeah, but that's uh, part of the reason why I'm doing the march at the um, end of this month. Um, because I want to bring men of different races, different religions, different creeds, or whatever, because most of us don't disagree with a whole lot. And honestly, I think Dr. King was onto something and Fred Hampton too. Why did they end them so quick after linking there? Even Malcolm, like when Malcolm went on his whole, okay, well, let me link everybody up real quick. Okay, time for you to go. Yeah. Like we, they can deal with the, oh, you just doing black people because they feel like they can control us to a point. Once you start getting everybody, you know, together or whatever. So like looking at my following, I was like, I want to do something and bring all these different men together because yeah. most of us agree on the same things. Now, if we have actionable items after this, and yeah. that's the point, you know, there we're going to have actionable items together, you know, togetherness, you know, and I'm just like, I don't see nobody stopping that, you know, like, nah, <laughs> these, like all these men getting together and then bringing, you know, people from my platform to yours and Brother Ben X and whatever, Brother, Re Brother Reza, you know, all these people like, we all agree with the same things because as I have been across the aisle, they ain't really saying too much different. Dr. Uber and Candace Owens be saying some of the same stuff all the time, bro. And I be like, y'all saying the same stuff even though y'all talking about, oh, y'all don't like the pro-black. That's the danger of the politics. <laughs> but that's, that's just the choice of politics, though, is mm -hmm. you take some of the most greatest communicators 
yeah. especially in a black community, and mm -hmm. use them as pawns for your message. Mm -hmm. And then you keep them divided from actually connecting with each other by giving them different flags. Exactly. This is how it works. Like and right I now, I won't do it. I won't do it. They man. have wars going on in Ethiopia with Tigray and all these different mm -hmm. things. And I'm talking to a sister out in London, and she said, well, you know, one of the ways that they got us was that they gave, allowed everybody to nationalize, create their own ethnicities and flags. Mm -hmm. So you go from being under one central flag to now there's hundreds of them. Yep. And now you're Democrat. Now I'm Republican. Exactly. Right? And I don't now identify, I'm, man. I'm, I'm like, don't I'm, do that. I'm blood. I'm crip. I'm this, that. I'm third. Mm -hmm. And all these flags divides us. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's somebody controlling us. They're benefiting the most from all of this, but yeah. we have small differences, and you understand we, and me, that gotta, keep us divided from yeah. ever fighting the real issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about, you know, the elimination of the flags that we carry. Right. Number one of, oh, you know, it's like, I'm not Republican or Democrat. There's no way I could ever claim any yeah, political status I tell people all the time, I'm in like, America. Bro, That's ridiculous. I'm like, bro, don't do it. I'm like, I have no idea why we do that. I'm like, you need to get from whoever what you need. I said, secondly, if y'all gonna talk about lesser of two evils, really look at lesser of two evils. It's not never a lesser of two <laughs> evils. It's just Jeez. another evil. You exactly. understand me? Mm -hmm. um, it's like when you look at any one of these administrations, you're gonna find evil in it. Every and last the question one of, of it is, is that, that whether you voted for him or not, a good person does good. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna say, well, you didn't vote for him, you're not in my constituency, so I can't do good for you. Right. That's what an evil person does. I said, or even like, uh, this, because somebody decided to vote for somebody, somehow I can't be your friend, or you did this. I'm like, that's, nah, that's, silly, that's, that's dumb, man. That's silly, more division, but, and there's no intelligence division. in it. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't talk about that stuff, man. I'm like, bro, I don't get into who I voted for, blah, blah. I may say little anecdotal things here and there just to get people to look at stuff you know, whatever. But other than that, man, I just stick to, you know, what I do with my children and things. But that politics stuff, man, it will drive people insane or even just little stuff. Like I remember, I, I love Brother Tariq Nasheed, man. Awesome dude. Um, and, you know, I had my kids work, you know, watch Hidden Colors and stuff before. But I remember when I first went viral, um, he was one of the first people to speak out against me, you know, because my, my uh, stepfather, you know, worked with the FBI. He was like, oh, he has to be an agent, you know, and stuff like that. And Are I'm you just, an agent? No. And I'm just like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I've probably done more for my black community, like, unknown, you know, and I do stuff for my community all the time. I'm just like, that what my stepdad, you know, working with, if not in the FBI, he working with the FBI, you know, solve murders and stuff like that. You know, of course, he's a detective. So he, he had no choice or whatever. I'm like, but that doesn't make me an agent or, you know, telling people I'm not from America, you know, and stuff. I'm like, I was born in Albany, Georgia, born and raised so were my parents. So like, my dad was born in Miami, mom was born in Albany, and then the rest of my family, uh, we track our generations all the way down, we have our whole ancestry from America, you know, so, but, you know, just little stuff like that, and I didn't hold it against them, because I know that's what, you know, how that, that works with their platforms and things like that, but I was just like, why can't we have conversations, you know, we can talk about it, or whatever, I said, he, he'll come and talk about it, I said, they're like, bro, I don't work with no FBI, he said, I mean, I don't work, I'm not in the FBI, he's like, I work with them, he was like, but I'm not, like, you know, in, in the FBI and like that, where we just out here trying to hurt people and stuff. I'm like, I'm just working with kids, bro. I'm like, what would the FBI, oh, he's, he's helping black children learn how to read. You know, what we gonna, that don't make no sense. I'm just like, some stuff just don't be adding up, you know, but I'm a, I'm, I, that didn't turn me off from him. I just said, I think we could just have a conversation about it eventually one day, you know, and make that happen. But that's a part of the division piece for me because some people now, you know, nowadays still come and be like, oh, well, Tariq Nasheed said you was an agent, you know, so, What's up dead about your dad being the FBI? I'm like, my stepdad, it's not, he's retired for one. All he does now is go on vacation with my mama all day, every day. <laughs> like, they always gone somewhere or whatever. So they barely even be paying me any attention. They Do you think it's because married. it may stop you from having any radical ideology outside, you know, that scope? Because, you know, we know that the FBI 
you know, they formed their first task to to watch after Marcus Garvey, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And they have decades of history, you understand me, of mm -hmm. destroying, right? COINTELPRO um, is, is... Black leaders. Yep, COINTELPRO is... Destroying, yep. murdering, and setting up assassinations within mm -hmm. the black community. So that mm -hmm. means that if you're going to be a prominent voice and figure of RISE, then you will be on their list of targets based on a history of operation. Of course, they come with the territory. Me? Yeah, mm -hmm. they come with the territory, and most people know me. I, I've been saying radical stuff, especially when I was a teenager. I used to be even more radical then. The stuff I said when I was a teenager was crazy. I used to be yeah. saying all type of stuff or whatever, and and that's when he was still working with them. So at that point, I'm just like, man, if they're gonna go send somebody, they're gonna send somebody anyway. I don't care who it may be. It could be your own mama. If, if, for all I care, because usually every assassination and stuff like that always be an inside job. It always got something to do with your people. So usually it'd be the people close to you, somebody you got Nick right next to you all the time, just like with Dr. King and who helped him die. And I followed that whole story and it was almost all the people that was in his main circle mm -hmm. that helped him get killed. You know, but even with uh, Malcolm and all this, it's always people in your circle. You know, so that, that just comes with the territory, man. You know, you can try, I try my hardest, you know, cross all my teeth, dot all my eyes with people I have in my circle and things like that. And I know eventually it's, it's going to become a point, you know, where I get enough young men risen up, you know, knowing what they're supposed to know and doing what they're supposed to be doing. They can be like, all right, yeah, this is a little getting out of hand. But you can shoot me, but you're going to have to drop a bomb on the rest of them because I don't gave them all the knowledge or whatever. So that's my main thing. And that's one thing I feel like our leaders didn't do, which is what I'm doing, is training replacements. Because what if Dr. King had trained? 30, 40 replacements. What if Malcolm had a, you know, little Malcolm's in training or whatever like that? You know, Does that have any effect on what you teach and what you educate, given that you may get support from different sides? No, I teach the same thing regardless of what anybody has to say. They can, they can cancel me tomorrow and I'm still going to be teaching the same thing um, to my boys um, and they know exactly what I teach. And I want to make sure that um, I'm continuing to be the example for them, too. And a lot of them, you know, my boys have watched me move mountains as a teenager. So for a lot of them, they get to see possible. I'm their possible. They ain't never seen no young black man do nothing but get shot and robbed or whatever on TV. But you got somebody right here in your community. I had my own house, had my own land. You know, I done bought land for them. I done took them all over the country. We've done flights everywhere. You know, I've shown them the world. You know, these kids are going to be forever grateful, but this is, I'm their example. Yeah. And so a lot of them look up to me. So I have to stay there for them. You know, I mean, people, you know, in my hometown talk so much trash and things like that. But what do I, they talk about? They, I thought <laughs> I would think you'd be a hometown hero. I was until I went national. When, whenever I got any national attention, everybody, you know, kind of just, but that happens with everybody. Like one of our What would be like the point of criticism against you starting a school for the neighborhood? I'm too young. I ain't never been a teacher before. I mean, I got a whole list of stuff that people have to say. What I know about teaching some young men how to be men. Um, I mean, it's a whole list of stuff uh, people say in my hometown about me. Uh, I mean, I could go on a list, you know, yeah, and, wow. but, but that's, but that's, that's just coming to territory. Even the scripture tells you, you know, uh, prophets love everywhere, but his hometown. And it's okay. You know, I don't mind it. Like even one of our uh, football players, uh, his name, Trent Brown, he from, he, he's uh, from Albany, plays for the Patriots, but he's national now. He was a hometown. Oh, everybody loved him to death, but now he's national. Oh, he don't come back enough. He don't get back to the community enough. He don't do, everybody always got something to say about everybody that goes national. Dion Branch, you know, uh, he's from Albany. Ray Charles from Albany. All these people from Albany, but they never return because of the mindset of the people. Yeah, well, it's a small town mindset. Yep, you understand absolutely. Me? And it is a small town. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's understandable. This episode is brought to you by Infinite Wealth Strategies. Infinite Wealth Strategy is a course that I created for all those who want to tap into everything blockchain. Also, for those who want to be a part of a community that is growing and learning together. We go from everything from the metaverse, cryptocurrency, tokenomics, non-fungible tokens known as NFTs, 
ways to understand decentralized finance and learning how to utilize it. Also things just from learning three to four week book strategies and how to become an author, how to set up trust, how to move private, right? We have weekly classes on masculinity, femininity, spirituality. There's so much that's involved in it, but once you tap into the infinite wealth strategies, you become a strategist on how you can produce wealth for your future. Come and learn financial literacy, how to put together a portfolio, or just come learn how to earn cryptocurrency so you can start making money in the market that's producing millionaires on a daily basis. Tap into infinite wealth strategies and you will have access to 2022. So all things that you didn't learn this year, you got probably about two more months to go ahead and put it all in your head. And this is an all you can learn situation. We're going to charge you one time and once you in, the knowledge is yours forever. And it will give you a return on that investment to the day you die. Infinite wealth strategies. I want, to, I want to transition. You did drop a lot of names in there uh, in the last segment of conversation about different, different people. And, you know, I, I would, I'm a type of person I can sit down and have conversation with anybody, mm -hmm. right? You know, I don't always uh, agree with everybody. We have various degrees of ideologies, opinions, philosophies. Of course. You know, I just focus on what I'm doing, mm -hmm. you know, and I know that you know, uh, I'm only going to get invited to certain places, but I also understand I don't need to be any, everywhere. Absolutely. I think that the connection and the link needs to be a unified agenda of what good people believe in. And I say good on purpose because people have to align themselves with whether they're good or bad. And bad is based on your morality, but even when you look at that, you can't have black people at the bottom, right? right? And then want us to, I think it was Malcolm X to talk about being American. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you might let me at the table, you understand me, but I can't consider myself to be a patron or a diner until I'm eating, exactly. right? And so black people are here at the American table, but we ain't eating, mm -hmm. you understand me? So to consider yourself to be patriotic or truly be American, even though that, you know, we were some of the, we were the first in America, mm -hmm. right? Everybody didn't come off slave ships. We were the first Americans, right? Melanated, dark people on this continent. Um, and on the soil of North America. But that's a different conversation. But the conversation today is that politics is mostly just conversation. Absolutely. You understand me? Like 99% of it is just talking about things. Mm -hmm. And then they're synergizing people to actually vote for things and make some small smidges of change. All right. There's the conservatives versus the Democrats and the liberals and all mm -hmm. of that. And I don't get caught up in all that. But I do think that we live in a time where Certain people that may think they're on the opposite, they are actually aligned. Mm -hmm. You understand me with their viewpoint? Absolutely. And I think the most dangerous thing about today is not being able to have conversation openly yep. for fear of censorship. Yep. And I think Oh, that, yeah, they censoring, yeah. man. And I tell people all the time, I say, y'all have to be aligned. I said, because they're not just censoring the pro-black voices and stuff. They're censoring folk on the right side. They're censoring folks on the left side. They're censoring folk for a reason, especially if y'all align, and especially if y'all got big platforms. So the bigger platforms, like, I don't, you know, Alex Jones, yeah. I think Brother Reza went on his platform, but brother, Mr. Alex is, like, more conservative, if anything. And then, you know, Brother Reza is Brother Reza, you know, but they went on there because they aligned. But I'm like, most of y'all don't be disagreeing with a whole lot. Just like I mentioned earlier, Dr. Umar and Candace be saying like a whole bunch of the same stuff all the time. Same talking points or whatever. But one just said for the right, one just said for Pan-Africanism or whatever. But they make the same points. But imagine if they were to ever align. Imagine, you know, a Dr. Umar and Candace Owens like having a conversation. They could not have that. The establishment could not have them unified at, at no point. 
or whatever, because then you got her with millions of the right side following, and then Dr. Umar with millions of black followers, and then all of us agreeing on something. Oh no, that cannot happen, or whatever. So of course, they're gonna censor Candace, they're gonna censor Dr. Umar, they're gonna censor Brother Reza, they're gonna censor Alex Jones, they're gonna censor Tucker Carlson, they're gonna, they're gonna censor all these people from these different you know, areas because they don't never want them to ever find each other. And that's what I think, it happens all the time. Because I'm like, me watching my timeline, you know, with my conservative followers and I got my pro-black pro, pro people, I'm just watching everybody the timeline, but most of them just saying some of the same stuff. Oh, everybody hates government. Oh, black people hate government. Hmm, white people hate the government too. Oh, they they love guns. We love guns. You know, I'm just I'm just paying attention to all this stuff that we agree. I'm like, now imagine if all of us came together on, on these issues and then got behind. But do you each think that's actually possible? I do. I think that there's two parts of that, right? The reason I say it's possible, possible is possible, but yeah. at the same time, practical that, that that will actually happen within our lifetime. Number one, and then number two, there is a uh, I think one thing that those same people that agree that need to come together, they also agree on separation, that mm -hmm. being around people who are like-minded than you so you can create environments of commonality yep. where people can practice in peace mm -hmm. the things that they believe, where they can protect each other and their belief system and stuff like that. I think the biggest issue is that everybody don't need to agree to get along, number one. I agree. You understand agree. me? Mm -hmm. But when you force upon people your ideas mm -hmm. and that you want to dominate and you want to be the one that has more control and dominion over this environment where it's like, well, what about what I believe? Right. I'm a young black Muslim and I've never seen representation of a young black Muslim in mm -hmm. any movie, film, places, right. anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yet I see all new movements pop up about representation. Right. So it's like my empathy is there for some, but it's like I've never got that empathy for myself. Mm -hmm. So that marginalization to where you never humanize certain people, right. it's gonna always leave you divided. We'll be like, you know what? I'd just rather be around people who understand. Mm -hmm. You understand me now? Me and you have the ability to communicate at high levels. Right. So you can be in different places, a different has in different fields, but I do know that environment does have dictation on character. Oh, absolutely. So I think that as much as we have the ability to reach multitudes and masses, having a strong sense of letting the world know what you align with and then forcing everybody else to respect that mm -hmm. is key. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you stand so firmly on who you are, what you believe, that it forces other people to oppose it because they believe right. that if they're around you too much, then they, they now become like you mm -hmm. and that they have to relinquish some of their belief system and ideologies in order to do so. Right. You know, but... So let me ask you, who is one of uh, your most inspirational ancestors? Uh, I have a few of them. Um, definitely going to start with uh, Dr. King and Malcolm. Um, those are my two top, top ones. Um, Fred Hampton. Um, I'm going to start with Martin and Malcolm, though. Them are like my two main two guys. Um, and of course, Fred Hampton. Those are like my main three. Um, of course, I have others, but those are like my. What about Martin? But yeah, Martin was a genius in his own right. I think that um, his way of going about the movement was extremely powerful because looking at how he was able to make America look to the world was how he was able to push things forward. I know everybody was encouraging him to fight back, et cetera, et cetera, but he knew exactly what he was doing with the cameras being there, et cetera. Mm -hmm. he like, yeah, he was strategic. Exactly, it was very strategic, and he made America look like trash before the entire world. Like, y'all supposed to be the world's superpower, but this is how you treat your poor people. And all everybody else looking at America like, so this is how y'all treat y'all people over there or whatever? So this is in turn what started shifting things and getting stuff passed because America is looking like, you know, terrible to the world when they're supposed to be number one. 
Um, but aside from that, um, his I believe Martin at the time was the president ex without being the president. Mm. He had the the whole United States wrapped around his finger. I mm. didn't care who it was. Um, Mark, Martin could say anything and everybody would move. Martin could do anything, everybody would move. And Martin say tomorrow we're going to take over the White House. Everybody was going to move. You know, um, that's how powerful he was. Um, the way he spoke, I mean, it was just powerful watching his speeches, reading uh, his his writings. I mean, he was probably the most intelligent man I've, I've just really ever seen. He's just a genius in his own right. Um, he had the Christ energy. Um, I know I hear people talk about it all the time, but he had that Christ energy. He was just a monster among men. And in fact, he was so small, he was only 5'6". Word. Powerful man, yep. He was short, huh? Yep. We had a Napoleon complex. Yeah, he's very nah. short. Um, but I know a lot of people always. <laughs> I ask, never knew. I never knew Martin was short. Yeah, I um, ain't never know that. Yeah, he's very short, five six. I'm taller okay. than him. Okay. Yeah, but um, that's interesting. I study him a lot, and people always ask where my handle comes from. It comes from him. Um, so my handle is New Emerging King. Um, and in my studies of Dr. King, um, growing up, um, I started studying him because when I was younger, my grandmother uh, told me. My grandmother's very spiritual. She's a pastor. Um, and she told me about this conversation I had with her, and I, and I remember it. Um, we were riding in a car. Um, she came and picked me up from pre-K. I'll never forget. Um, I was in a gray car seat. Um, we were in her 1995 Lexus ES300, and we were riding on South Madison Street, um, about to turn on Johnny Williams Street, I remember. And I asked her, how, what, did she know how it felt to have butterflies in her stomach? And I was very articulate, just like my son is now. Um, and I asked her, did she know how it was to have butterflies in her stomach? And she said, yeah, and I told her I was here to finish what Dr. King started. And um, from that day forward, um, my grandmother was like, what do you even know about Dr. King for one, you know? And then for two, you know, she was like, I'm four. You know, she was like, I was three or four at the time. She was like, you're a kid. What do you even know to even say something like that? So she was like, it had to be God. My whole life, she never let me forget that. I, me and my grandmother have had arguments. We, I mean, we, we really had it out about this because she would never live it down. I didn't care what I was doing. I went to the Marine Corps. I graduated culinary school, et cetera. If you look at all my boot camp letters from, boot, from uh, Marine Corps boot camp, my grandmother's in the letters. Don't forget what you're here to do. I don't care about you doing none of this stuff. I don't care about you going to culinary school. You know what you're here to do or whatever. So I finally gave in and I started studying Dr. King um, when I was about 18, 19 years old. And I went to the Dr. King Memorial in Atlanta. His, his grave site is there. They have a big museum. And so at the time, I'm studying all of his writings, I'm studying speeches, et cetera. And I'm like, what exactly was this man supposed to be finishing? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out why would I say that? Like, why would God give that to me? And um, I went through that museum and I'll never forget it. I was walking through the, the part, they have the carriage that carried his casket through the city of Atlanta in that uh, museum. And um, they have newspaper articles in that entire room from, you know, his funeral. And there's all these headlines, all these headlines. And um, one caught my eye and it, I, I got a, I'm going to buy it from the Pittsburgh Courier um, from April 20 of 1968. And it says, will a new king emerge from there? That's where I got my, mm. my handles from. And that's mm. how I figured out what I was supposed to be doing. And then once I started working with my children, I realized that he didn't train any replacements. Mm. And so before I get into what I'm supposed to be finishing, I'm training replacements first and I'll go finish it later on. Mm, that's powerful. I like that. Well, the new king emerged. Yep. You know, at the, 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 the tail end of his life, you know, he, he was stark on economics. He changed. And, you know, boycotting corporations, you understand me, and mm -hmm. focusing on getting our piece of the pie. Yep. You know, and that's where he really became dangerous because if he was able to 
point that energy that he had, that political clout that he had all across the nation towards mm -hmm. economics, then he was going to really interrupt systems. Yep. You understand me? And I think that's one of the more dangerous things. And, you know, one of my favorite, if not the favorite, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Honorable Elijah Muhammad was arguably the most successful black leader of all time. And, you know, he didn't see himself as a leader. He was a messenger. But still, the reality of the consequence of his message and his execution, mm -hmm. the ability to, you know, create a multi-million dollar empire just on the business side before right. you get into the theology and the mm -hmm. spiritual side on the business side he had schools yep. right he had training programs he had aviation school he had real estate he had mm -hmm. trust he had an airplane he had import export you know he had barbershops supermarkets he had newspapers mm -hmm. so you know and then he had chapters in mosques all throughout the united states right. and then he had an international mission where he went and met with heads of different states and presidents and kings from all around the world. Yep. And number one, the intelligence it takes to do that, the intellect it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. But to have an idea and to execute it, that's success. Absolutely. Right? And so the longevity he had with the time from when he started in the 30s until the 1970s mm -hmm. is why I give him that trophy of being the most successful because there's no other black leader that had that timeline number one mm -hmm. and then two there's no other black leader that uh had an idea and they basically completely completed their mission right the mission was to deliver a message mm -hmm. and from that message even his proponents that were against them still was like you know what you actually do have the greatest ability to reform black men and women take them off drugs take them from pimping take them from being dead whatever it may be and then as we fast forward in time, he had the greatest disciples of his teachings. Mm -hmm. And I believe partially of that is because of the amount of literature that he left behind by right. his ability to leave the book. That's important. Mm -hmm. So that now each person has the, the equal opportunity to go and study those teachings, mold, reform themselves, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's probably the most powerful aspect of the reality of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And then of course now you have the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan who is now at 90 years old, um, you know, in his time is, you know, uh, upon us where eventually he won't be here. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, black America is spoiled with having uh, a leader, always having a leader because we always looking for a new savior. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Like from Noble Jali to Marcus Garvey, you know, to Thurgood Marshall, to whoever you want to name. There's always some leader, there's always some savior with some message. Right. Right? We're going to say to people, we're going to do this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm. So we always look at other communities, not always looking for a savior. Right. They utilize family, technology, infrastructure. They utilize cultural rituals as their savior, yep. which are always more effective. They're executing. Yep. Right? So it's like, even this message is not about people looking at me as a leader or even looking at you particularly as a leader, but the ideas, the mindset, yep. the do for self has been the most powerful three letters that has led movements, mm -hmm. you understand me, for decades to come. Because any person that gets inspired by that, they, 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 they find something within themselves to execute on those ideas. Like, they're not giving it to us, we'll give it to ourselves. But yep. do for self is just the understanding of your human ability to actually get something done without help that's that you that's already got enough. That's a universal language. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but the idea of necessity of government help or corporate help or all of these things, not to say that 
they should do their moral deed and their job yeah. based on the way that they say the design and just we on this earth and y'all got to serve us too. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when we look at the history and the record of this country, we know that won't happen. All right. So with technology, with, you know, uh, unification, we got the ability to literally do everything for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Like people don't like when I say, you know, uh, the blockchain is where we can get our reparations, mm -hmm. you know? And I heard you talk about this. Yeah, they owe us. Mm -hmm. They owe us. Because no nation can get past their past without correcting it. Mm -hmm. You understand me? No matter how long you try to ignore it, it's going to come. And it's going to consistently have you in destabilized and war. You're never going to have peace. Right. But the reality of it is, is if, you know, you bought 40 acres, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You paid your 100000 you understand me? If you waited for the government to do that, you'd probably be two generations in, or they'd probably be dropping some CBDC coin in your wallet, utilizing yep. that to control that's, you in society. That's exactly what I said in the video. I said, um, most of us are waiting for our 40 acres, and I decided to go take it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I'm there's, just a, like, there's a cost of 40 acres. Yeah, and I'm just like, you don't have to, sure, you if you want reparations, go and get it. You can go and take it. I'm just like, you don't have to just... You want them to give you a check and say, this is on the, the line, reparations. I don't need that to say reparations like that. Oh, I, I do need my I, check, though. I, I, look, <laughs> I need I my, can, you still owe me some money. Look, you know, I, need, I need my check. Yeah. I don't want y'all to think you getting off. I'm just doing my thing right now. Right, but it's like when somebody owe you, you still owe me my money, even though I'm getting money. Yeah, I'm going to get my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I get it. I get it. But, um, yeah, my main thing is, is just like, I ain't, I mean, if it come, it come. It don't, it don't. You know, we still got stuff to do, you know, in our community and, and make it yeah. happen, you know, period. Yeah. Uh, so definitely teaching my boys as much as I can, you know, even um, Booker T. Washington's model. I love his model. He had a Doofus model also. Um, he back in the 1800s, yeah. you know, he came and, you know, as a slave, you know, he got free, you know, during that mm -hmm. time. But he taught himself how to read and reading up from slavery, his book so powerful and he still has that standing organization to this day. Granted, it's been taken over by, you know, whoever, but... Um, it's still standing, you know, and the, the backlash he got from black people in the community because he wanted to start his own school, you know, was terrible. But watching him is like my model, too, like trying to start my own school in my community where, you know, we have a bad education, et cetera, you know, and hearing other people get mad at you trying to help that situation versus them wanting to send all their kids to the white school. They were like, what you want to start a school for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this could happen and that could happen. We just need to well, give also, more money to the system. You blah, say blah. that because now that would be more the Malcolm mm -hmm. in you because, you know, Martin was integration. Mm -hmm. But your model is really separation, but not separation in the way that most people think about it. Separation right. means that we own it. Exactly. You understand and that's, me? And that's what I mean, you know, by ownership. You know, that's why I don't have to use that word. I'm just like, no, I talk about ownership. I'm like, because, um, you know, separation, you know, most people think about it by race or something like that. I'm just like, I got white kids that have been to the program. I got Hispanic kids. And I'm like, and I'm, people also, well, are you going to take other kids too? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why would I not want them to know the truth too? I'm going to tell everybody the truth. I'm going to tell the white kids the truth, tell the Hispanic kids the truth, tell the black kids the truth or whatever. I'm not going to turn any kids down, you know, that are uh, trying to come, come to the school and, you know, have a relationship with all of them. I can't help how they were born. I can't help that as a state color. That's, that's just who they are. But all of them take a liking to me. All of them get along. They don't have no race conversations. They don't be in there. That stuff is taught, you know. So if they're in an environment where that's not being taught or whatever like that, you know, well, in that way, or whatever, then they should live in harmony. And that's, that's but I also I don't see. think it's wrong with prioritization. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. You yeah, understand me? Because I think mm -hmm. oftentimes people use that as a mechanism of control mm -hmm. to have influence on what you got going on yep. in the sense where it's like, here's the chief thing. Like, I keep trying to get to this point. 
if <laughs> number one, we can have our own shit without anybody else. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because everybody got that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and nobody gets the ability to make us feel guilty about focusing on ourselves. That means that we yeah. love ourselves. We love our community. We mm -hmm. love our people. That's the greatest example of any black person, you yep. understand me, period, is one mm -hmm. who goes out there and help their own people in that Absolutely. condition. And anybody that looks on that from the outside is just supposed to say, let me help you do something good. Absolutely. That's it. Mm -hmm. And the other part is you just shut up. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Like for me, that's just pure what it's about. Yep. You feel me? Because what happens is, from what I see in my interpretation is, you know what? I love what the brother doing, but let me have some sort of influence yep. to where I can change the way this thing is to where mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable. It ain't about your feelings. Yep. It's about really changing conditions. Cause like I said, go look at the statistics in America, who gets it worse, young yep. black boys and men. And until that's changed, I don't want to hear a person goddamn mouth. Yep. You understand me? When those Especially conditions are equal, yep. the only area where white men have us is in suicides. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Yep. Those are the only area. They kill themselves more often, right? But of course, in every other area from disease to incarceration, to different crimes, black men, the gap. I mean, we talking about cancer, we talking about gun violence, we talking everything about homicide, of, yep. everything. It's like, damn, that's overwhelming. So anybody that would look at it from the outside to say, yo, if you want to create change in this country, we have to go to the people who are affected the most mm -hmm. first. Right. Right? Right. And so what I see as my focus, because you know, my, 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 my knowledge is universal, mm -hmm. right? My message is intentional, right? And the intention of my message is to first get it to my people who look like me. I got six brothers, mm -hmm. you understand me? And we all come from adverse childhood experiences. We all come from poverty, we all come from the hood. And we all go through different psychological issues mm -hmm. just being black men in America, right. not having outlets for those particular traumas. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that not everybody has a key in their life, somebody that can help them steer them in the right path. So I'd be damned if I start with the world right. when the house is not in order. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Absolutely. And so the idea for me of separation is just saying that it's like you having uh, a, a room in somebody else's house. Mm -hmm. That's like what integration was. Mm -hmm. But having your own house, that's yep. separation. Yep. Same neighborhood. But we all have our own houses. Yep, just like but can we get along that way? Yeah, Jay Z said, "Fuck a slice of the apple pie on my own." Cake. Yeah, I want yeah. the oh, I want the <laughs> recipe. I want the bakery. Yeah, I want the orchard farm. Yeah, you understand me? Mm -hmm. I want it all. Why yep. not? What's wrong with me having it all? If my whole entire life, I mm -hmm. went to South Africa, and the white farmers they they own hundreds of acres of land. Mm -hmm. Then you go to certain places, and you got black people living in cubicles ten by ten with three to four people on top of each other, four, mm -hmm. sometimes five, six, in yep. a little small home. Mm -hmm. How could you not look at that condition and be like, oh, if I was to come to that country and help anybody, I'm focusing on all of these people first. Right, 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 right. All across the planet is like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, even with um, buzzwords that people use all the time, like systemic racism and stuff like that, um, just to kind of get the algorithm going and stuff like that, um, I, I've had conversations, you know, with the other side, you know, in regards to the systemic racism piece. They'll say, oh, well, systemic racism doesn't exist. But, you know, they agree with school choice, you know, with us having our own schools, right? But they'll say in the same breath, well, black children and Hispanic children are underserved, minorities are underserved in these schools and stuff like that. And I'm just like, well, how are you going to say systemic racism doesn't exist when you're telling me it does? I'm just like, <laughs> well, you know, I think that 
racism is the distraction, white supremacy is the reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And so you, nobody can say white supremacy doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Right? That's, that's a reality across the globe and throughout history. You can literally go throughout history and see where it comes from, right? And, and, and like, we've had wars based on this. You understand me? Black people have been killed, murdered, hung. There's laws that was created specifically to redline it. Like, you can't say white supremacy doesn't exist. The question is, and, and same thing, you could consider all of that uh, systemic racism, right? Mm -hmm. That's the underbelly of it, though. But mm -hmm. the reality of it is white supremacy. And white supremacy causes the redlining. White supremacy says you can't get home loans. White supremacy creates environments and conditions of the hood. So in projects. So, okay, my, my question for people like that is when did it end? Because mm -hmm. when you say it don't exist, you have to acknowledge that it, first of all, you have to acknowledge that it did exist or mm -hmm. it ended. Yep. You know what I mean? So what point and what two. year did it end? Right, and me, I use the, I use the words white savagery I say white savagery because I don't I don't use the Man, word. That sounds harsh. Yeah. Harsher. <laughs> yeah, but I don't use the word white supremacy because that denotes that somebody's supreme over me, in my opinion. Well, it's so, an idea. Yeah, of white yeah, supremacy. I, yeah, I get it. Like, right, right. So like Hitler I, had ideas. Right, right, right. The yeah. same shit. Yeah, personally, yeah, yeah. Personally, I just don't want to. I, I don't want to come out of my mind. I'm not gonna say it. I'm gonna say white savagery. That's because that's what it is. It's savagery. It's not. It's not supremacy. Well, it's, it's a complex. Savagery. Yeah, I get it. They're complex. Yeah, so I call it white savagery. But yeah, all of that stuff, you know. Um, it's, it's good to pay attention to, you know, it's good to make mention of, it's good to know in your mind what's going on. So that way, while you're going to get your own piece of the pie or going to make your own cake, you just have knowledge. So that's why I tell people all the time when they're asking me about why I'm going in certain rooms, I know my knowledge already. So I know how to maneuver and make sure ain't nothing happening that ain't supposed to be happening, et cetera. I know the, I know the history. I know what they're capable of, et cetera. You know, so let me maneuver how I need to maneuver to go get what I need to get yeah. or whatever. And, yeah, no, you know, a man <clears throat> with knowledge itself is key. Mm -hmm. You know, and as long as, you know, you can, Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that heaven is money, good homes, friendships of all walks of life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That last part, when he said all, all walks, walks of life, life, I was like. <laughs> yeah, even even with uh, even in the scripture, you know, when Jesus talk about speaking in tongues, yeah, or whatever, I'm like, people think that's that humility. No, I'm like, that's not necessarily that. It's you being able to to talk to the dead, you know, or mm. to, uh, and raise them, yeah, to bring that life speak, into them, speak their language. I'm like, that's not tongues is not the shemunashan and all that stuff at church. I'm like, no, it's speaking the language of the people you're trying to raise, or speaking the language of the people that you're trying to to reach. You know, that's speaking in tongues. I can speak fluid tongue. I can speak to the hood and go speak to this group. I can go speak to that group. That's speaking in tongues i'm like and that's what jesus did i'm like or you know in all walks of life you know and that's what i try to you know explain to people you know about speaking in tongues because they take it in the sense of them i'm like what is what is that hap what is happening there like what is what is this supposed to be doing what is it moving i think you know? also a lot of people are not comfortable with themselves in that capacity so they can't imagine how you would be able to move in a room of snakes and not be moved you understand exactly. me into the nature yep. of the snake, mm -hmm. so that sometimes is that, but then sometimes it's powerful knowledge itself. Sometimes it is a grave warning to be careful, mm -hmm. because sometimes we can be boasted in our egos and in our confidence, and not realize how powerful some of those rooms can be, yep. and how they can put you in compromising situations mm -hmm. or influence you in different capacities. Right. So that the central message and principles that you stood for start to waver a little bit. And that's why I believe it's important for every man to have a circle of elders. Um, I think um, even myself, you know, I still have people I answer to. I still get disciplined by my grandfather, my uncles, etc. Even as a grown man, I listen to them and I allow them to discipline me. Um, and I consult them with all decisions that are made, including my manager and every man that helped raise me, et 
etc. I speak to all of them about all decisions I make, whether that be women or my uh, previous marriage or whatever. I talk to them about everything, about my children, etc. You know, you I were married. Huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. I allow them to make, you know, help me make decisions, you know, um, in regards to my life because I, I believe that's what every man should do. I'm 22 years old. You're not even a full-grown adult, you know, scientifically to, to 25. You know, especially as a man. So, you know, I think it's extremely important that you have people that you still talk to, you still consult with, and you don't just sit there and make all decisions on your own. So, when I am moving through these rooms, if somebody say something, I'm like, hey, well, they said this or offer this, and my uncle will be like, nah, bro, listen, listen, like that ain't what's happening. This is what was said. Da 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 da. da. So then I can no, be like, that's, okay, that's that's yeah, that's dope. Yeah, so I can go back and be like, yeah, nah after talking to my council and people, I, I'll say that too, after talking to my council, that's not what's gonna happen. You know, um, after talking to my team, that's not what's about to happen. You know, and that just is what it is, you know, because I consulted with my council. Council is yeah, key, that's, yeah, the, my, that's the My council is, is not gonna let it happen. My granddad, my uncles, etc. even my former stepdad, and even my biological dad, I'll, I'll talk to him about a few things. We don't have a tumultuous relationship, no bad relationship or nothing like that. It's just, you know, he and my mom went together, but um, he didn't do much, but he's my dad, and I love him to death. Um, but yeah, I still consult, you know, as many, elders as I can in regards to my decision making, but only the elders that I trust in my circle. Um, and that's extremely important. So whenever we are going through these rooms, we can have all the knowledge in the world and think we're the smartest person, but somebody going to see something you didn't. Um, and it's, and this happened multiple times, even my manager, even mistakes I've made, he'll tell me before he'll allow me to make, you know, certain decisions still, cause I'm a grown man, but he'll warn me he like, listen, I don't think that's a smart thing to do. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I'm like, all right, I'll make the decision. And then something happens, you know, and it reinforces the need for the council. Yeah. You know, so. I think that we live in, uh, in, um, an opportunity. This is the, the time is the opportunity zone, right? Mm-hmm. The time is the opportunity zone because number one, a strategy of looking at a lot of these corporations and a lot of these companies, they don't want to be seen as non quote unquote woke. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, it, and, and right now it's so annoying because everybody trying so hard to be woke. Like it's annoying. Well, like it's it. funny because woke <laughs> used to mean kind of the opposite of what it means now. Yeah. Like, like it was a good thing before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, it was like growing up in like the conscious community mm-hmm. made woke the yeah. thing. Like they don't get yeah. credit for it. Right. But mm-hmm. if you can specifically go to like Harlem and 125th, where you're talking about a lot of, you know, consciousness being spread around the world. Mm-hmm. And so being woke with somebody who is aware of the reality, right. you know, the veils of reality, who was running the world, what were the agendas, the conspiracies. Yep. So it was the opposite of somebody who now goes with, you know, the, 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 the crowd ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Because in the new woke, they've, they've put such a good spin on it that they're now being woke with sleep. You understand me? Because it's following the crowd and moving like a sheep. Right, and, and doing things that intentionally make us want to spend more money. Like, I'm like, y'all really think these corporations really care about racism? They putting in racism everywhere. The NFL got it in the end zone. The hell, man, they got it on all the shows. And we're part, we're he- helpful for the LGBT. And they got the, the NBA cares, Black Lives Matter, this, and da 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 like, I'm like, these are corporations that are still owned by these same entities that are still oppressing y'all. I'm yeah. like, so regardless of them putting it everywhere, or Disney World want to be woke now and put it. Corporations, that's yeah. the whole and they're like, doing and they're marketing to who's the who's the per, per people that spend the most money. We are, and I'm like, so they go, of course, they're gonna market the black folk. Right, we can't lose out, yeah, it's woke capitalism. Money. So, sure, yeah, everybody, yeah, any racism. Oh, we're with the LGBT community, we love Black Lives Matter, and we, you know, we hate the police too, and blah blah blah. And they're still funneling money to well, all it's, the prisons. It's, and stuff. it's basically is it's weaponizing your own consciousness against you, exactly. And we fall for it every by time. time people get it, it's mainstream, yeah, right? Like, 
when you want to see something that's powerful, you understand me? It's, it's, it's never what the masses believe. Of course. The masses are always the sheep. It's the sheep, the shepherds, and the wolves. Yep. You understand me? And so the shepherds try to guide you away from the wolves, you understand mm -hmm. me? But oftentimes the people end up following the wolves. Mm -hmm. They may save you for one day only to fatten you up to eat you later. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And so the reality of this new woke culture, new woke capitalism, the millennials and the Gen Z, you know, are in trouble because they don't realize you being led uh, yep. to, a, to a feast where you yep. dinner, yep. right? Even and they're weaponizing and, stuff, yep. and using these ideas that they know are going to, you going to care about. Mm -hmm. And so now if I'm a corporation, then let me make that now into my branding. Because all I care about is profits, the shares, yep. you understand me, and, and, and capitalism. So, mm -hmm. of course, I'm going to guide you over here like I care about you, but it's yep. the same thing. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes they're talking about deconstructing systems, but you just fall into a new construct. Mm -hmm. You want to get rid of labels, and then you throw in a thousand more labels. Yep. That's the new thing. It's just relabeling. Yep, absolutely. Right? Um, and, and I said that just serves the dividers more. I remember um, talking about how when we were slaves, we got branded. Yeah. I mean, we're branding ourselves now, right. even with, uh, you know, clothing designers, et cetera, and now corporations and TV shows, whatever. We're branding ourselves. We're wearing a brand, you know, of this certain company because we they slave now. Right. You know, so that's, those are things, you know, we don't pay attention to. And even how they're fixing our kids up now, you know, with cell phones, because it's so easy to parent now because you can just give them a tablet to get so they can stop getting on your nerves and stuff like that no, and, the corporations are the parents yeah and i and i've told people before you know people are you know are really up in the air about me not having cell phones at the school you know i'm just like they won't have any type of cell phone period um we will teach them how to utilize social media yes we'll teach them how to you know digital real estate etc but social media phones all that stuff no go because there is no way and i keep telling parents this especially if you got a kid, there's no reason for your child to have a smartphone under the age of 17. I don't care because the under stuff- Under 17. Under 17, because the stuff that's on these phones, and I got kids and I was just a kid a few years ago. The stuff that these kids are doing on these phones, meeting people on these phones, it is more detrimental. We could say, oh, we can learn how to make money. I just want to track his location. It is doing more harm to your child than anything. The new photos, the selling drugs, the exchanging how to do this, learning how to kill your yourself at seven years old, eight years old. What does a seven-year-old know about hanging themselves? Besides, you found a YouTube video or seen somebody say it online. What does a 10-year-old know about suicide? I didn't find out about suicide until I was in fifth, in fifth grade. And when I heard the word suicide, I thought it was like some type of mass killing because I'm like, I heard a homicide and genocide. So I'm thinking it's some other type of side. And it was like, oh, it's killing yourself. I'm like, killing yourself. Yeah. I'm like, what you mean? Kill? Why yeah. would I kill myself? I'm like, it don't make no sense. But it's taboo now. Like all these kids know about killing themselves. And I'll, I'll give a personal example. One of my close family members, I'm not going to say her name, but um, 13 years old, you know, and mom went through her phone, caught her in the bed with a kid, a, a, a boy or whatever, like 16 and you know got new photos with them in the phone like and watch but you know how it bred knew it bred from watching love and hip-hop on that phone all day looking at tiktoks watching the girls twerking all day all that stuff like that being in the conversations with the mom while she doing hair at the hair salon and, and big you know women conversations and stuff like that now she's got to a point where she's so far gone smoking weed you know can't keep her away from boys can't control her and she's 13 man 13 bro having sex all that stuff you know and it's insane do you think though <clears throat> because those same activities existed pre-cellular I agree. Right? So is that environment still going to lead them there? It just now they have a tool that exacerbates it because it, it exacerbates it. Yeah, yeah it exactly. So, so 
I didn't start being blunt. I ain't know what porn. I didn't start watching porn until like you know 13, 14. But that's when I got you know a media device. Like most people your age had like magazines and stuff like that. You my can look age. in. You know, like Who hit my age. You you ain't have cell phones your whole life. <laughs> but yeah, I like, had one in high school. Yeah, but y'all had like actually Mac- I did have a so. But I'm talking no, about like smart, smartphones. It's funny. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't, it wasn't, they weren't that smart. We played Snake and stuff. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, we had it, Facebook, right? That's when Facebook and all mm-hmm. the other little apps, Black Planet and all the yep. other ones were popping during that time. So, mm-hmm. no, the social media era, as soon as I got in high school, that's when, like, really the social media era began. Mm-hmm. You understand me? So, funny enough, I didn't have a cell phone, you know, until probably 16. Mm-hmm. No, no probably 15 you understand me i didn't have one that was like working working yeah i think 16. that's around about eight and, and i think they should just only have a phone that you can call and text them on but like the stuff that they have access to and then not to mention but what about the the idea that if you censor them for so much it's gonna make them want it more i so mm-mm. because it's like the same thing with like young children i mean i grew up in a pretty conservative household mm-hmm. where you know you can't do this that and the third right a lot of rules and regulations but mm-hmm. at the end of the day that makes a child more curious to want it. So how do you manage the expectation of saying that it's not that this is something that you can't have, but I'm gonna teach you mm-hmm. what it is, the reality of it, right. and how to navigate through it. Right, so that's so one of my main things is teaching them about it and how to utilize it, but also I'm fostering their environment. So when I say kids don't need no cell phones, I say that for especially for a mom who's working all day and who ain't able just being real with yourself ain't able to be able to raise your kids mm-hmm. cell phones raising your kid just be mm-hmm. blunt not to mention what they learn from at school from other kids you know and stuff like that so that's another reason i started my school too i don't want my kids going to regular school learning stuff from no other kids because of the stuff they get into stuff they know i got kids who been molested already and going touching other boys and stuff like that because they've been done like that before you know this is environment stuff that we have to foster there are no rules and no real discipline at school so i refuse to for them to go to school and have a cell phone and learn all this stuff like there is no real environment for kids to be raised and you at work all day you think your kid at school they ain't at school you know like this is they drinking lean at school they having sex at school they doing sex tapes uh giving head all this this is happening at school on video all the time and and the schools won't talk about it they'll you know post a fight or something maybe but they don't want to talk about how they call the kids you know doing this at school doing that because they don't want to show the lack of discipline lack of rules etc we have to foster that environment so until we foster that environment i actually wouldn't mind letting them have phones sometime in my school because i know what's happening there all the time at all times but but you know, okay but, so but that that to me kind of leads to the danger of just when, village. When, well, just also when you have that over surveillance, you understand me, and that you know what's going on, so that's what's happening, there's always going to be time where you don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. right? I agree. And then when they're outside of that supervision, how they're acting then, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, I know people from all around the world, and they always act a certain way when they're in front of me. Of course. But then mm-hmm. once they leave, they go back to their environment or their condition. And that's why we teach so them character. how do you condition the minds mm-hmm. to be like that even though they're not under surveillance? Right. So that's the biggest thing about village and environment. So 
most of the time when you see me, I'm the same person off camera, et cetera, because this is how I was raised. And regardless of the rules I had at home, et cetera, or whatever, and it, it ain't even that I wanted to break them. I knew what to and what not to do. I didn't have to say, my mom didn't have to say, this is the rules, you know. I just knew what to do and what not to do just because of how I was raised and the men that I was around. So I didn't have to go sneak out. If I wanted to go somewhere, I just asked my mom. I'm like, hey, mom, can I go to the movies? Even when I want to not go to school or something, I just asked. I'm like, hey, mama, me and my girlfriend want to go to the mall. Okay, what's your grades But you like? never go, well, I mean, you might you know? have been a good kid, but it's like, you never go say it as, as it may be like, you know, I want to go out with the boys or we go to a party, but you never go give the details of everything that's going on. So. I, I, my, so my mom and I had, I talked to my mama. So this is a, in how your relationship is with your kids too. My mama knew what was going on with me. She knew when I started having sex or whatever, like it's just, it is what it is, but that's in your relationship with your kid, even with my, my stepdad and stuff. They knew what was going on with me because I told them because we had that type of relationship. Do y'all teach I, any religion in the school? Yeah, absolutely. We teach religion in the school, but I do have kids that will become of other religions. So on Sundays, they'll have a joint teaching where it will be like not Christian-based, not Muslim-based, et cetera. It'll just be a joint teaching for them. Their parents wish for them to learn something separate, et cetera. We'll have, you know, a, a, a priest or something come, you know, for the Christian kids, you know, like a regular pastor or something. We'll have, uh, you know, somebody come for the Muslim kids, Now, what's et the importance of teaching the religion in the school? I think the importance is just based off of what they believe. I cannot take, teach them against what they believe, especially what their parents, you know, want them to know, et cetera. So I think all in all, the teaching is what the parents really want them to come for, you know, in regards to outside of religious purposes. But I do want them to strive for what their religion and, you know, believes. Most, for the most part, most religions have, you know, positivity in it. And especially if we're reinforcing, you know, positivity, because I don't see a whole lot of difference in, you know, Muslims and Christians all the time, but other people do, you know, but I, I look at some of the stuff they study, etc. I'm like, sound about the same to me. Yeah, no, my Muslim <laughs> school taught me, like, I mean, discipline probably was the biggest key. Yeah, probably discipline. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. discipline mm -hmm. probably extremely, like, we would go it's not even just discipline. So we would have men's meetings, FOI meetings, mm -hmm. Monday nights. On those Monday nights, um, it was after school. You understand me? So we would sometimes be there like 12 at night. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Um, and I remember I used to go with my older brother and my pops. Mm -hmm. And when we would go there, you know, we'd get searched before we come in, even being a youngster. But my mm -hmm. pops, he was the captain of the temple at the time. You understand me? But when we would participate in the men's meetings, we would participate in the exercising, the combat exercising, the workouts, mm -hmm. right? Um, business affairs. Sometimes men would get a minus for things that they did throughout the week, mm -hmm. right? But that taught me a discipline that no other place on the planet Earth has given me. Yep. But also just seeing men take care of business on yep. a consistent basis. Habits are important. Right. When you create habits, and that's one thing I love that I went to the Marine Corps for, um, because it helped me be able to learn how to help mold my children and the right. boys. People ask all the time, how are you able to keep them disciplined and keep control of them at such a young age as yourself? I'm just like, it's because of the consistency and the habits that we're mm -hmm. creating. The reason they have to get up at a certain time every day, the reason they have certain things they'll do, working out, you know, uh, doing firearms training, et cetera, doing swimming, like learning how to do things, et cetera. And every day having a set thing that you're doing, that's going to create a habit in you. Most of the most successful people I know, all have habits. Right. I don't care, like uh, uh, Jameer Jackson, uh, this is my manager stepfather, um, and he's the CFO of AutoZone. He worth like uh, a lot of million dollars, or whatever, but he has a routine. 
and he's going to follow it every single day. Me, I wake up at 5.30 every morning. I don't care what's happening. I don't care if it's 5.31, 5.29. My brain gonna wake up at 5.30 every morning. My alarm gonna go off at six just to make sure I'm out of bed. But I know for a fact my brain gonna wake up at 5.30. I don't care where I'm at. If I come over here and three hours behind, I'm gonna go to sleep and my brain gonna wake up at 5.30. That's just- No, what habits it. are key. Like I do yeah, think habit, I started to key. gain mm -hmm. real traction and success in my life is still I started making habits. Mm -hmm. Like that's when I started that's to have- the, that's Break the mindset months. thing, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's because why I think my mom wasn't so worried about what I was. She knew I wasn't going to do nothing stupid because yeah. she know how my dad, my granddad, them, I don't raise me. I may go do something here and there, some little minor stuff. Or it wasn't gonna never be nothing about no drugs. It was never gonna be nothing about me going to crash the car. It was gonna be. It was gonna be nothing crazy because she knows how she raised me. But on the other hand, people don't who aren't raising their kids. Who if if I want moms to think about how much time they actively spend with their kids. Most moms, single moms, don't spend no time with their kids at all because they at work and then they at school all day. When they at school, then you get off, they get out of school, you at work. And they're just with by themselves all the time. You technically not raising them at all. You know, I'm like, so you have to tell yourself, be like, look, and be honest. I, I need to figure out something for my kids, you know, like get them some type of male role model, et cetera. And most parents who can be honest about that are good parents, you know, and I'm like, I can't do this. I'm by myself. He don't have his dad in his life. I need to figure something out and find some type of some types of males around, you know, to help yeah. raise this boy. But, but I want to get back to the habit thing, though, because I like what you said around that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I said, like when I found truth, traction and breakthrough mm -hmm. it's through the habits. Right? right. Same thing as a young male. As a young male, you know, going to school, having to put on a uniform, eat yeah. at a certain time, mm -hmm. everything is scheduled. You don't have that much time to drift away besides nope. what you're doing. That becomes your frequency within life. Eric Thomas talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's just it's a super key. Like, even for parents right now trying to figure out how to develop their child, their mind, that, you know, they won't have the opportunity to go to your school. Mm -hmm. Right? They need to figure out how to, number one, put their child on a routine. Yep. Because at least you know while they're doing this, they're not doing other things. Mm -hmm. Then there's the in-between time, but you, the, the hope is that the routine builds up a certain character. Because exactly. you got patterns that become repetition, you understand me, and that become character. Mm -hmm. And that becomes who you are. So yep. now that's how you're operating on a consistent basis. Right. And... You know, being able to control the environment is an interesting thing, but it's like as a parent, you can't be a perfect parent, Absolutely right? Not. But you can be yeah. a good parent, mm -hmm. and a good parent is one that has a duty. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And that duty is making sure that you're doing everything to the best of your abilities. Right. And whatever you lack in, then somebody else has to be in. You can't just mm -hmm. say, well, I lack in that, so therefore it's not in the household. Exactly, and that's why you can't have perfect parents, but you can have a perfect village, because where I fail at, he might not be feeling that. And then literally, if we have a, a, a model where, cause I'll have instructors too. I might not be, you know, fluent or whatever in what they may be fluent in. We all gonna help the kids in our own ways. So if I got one kid and he's getting everything he's supposed to get from all five of us, then he has a perfect village to grow up in. And that's what I want parents to get to. Like even with homeschooling, I tell parents, I'm like, you can create your own homeschool program. I'm like, y'all know y'all want y'all kids homeschool, right? What y'all can do is y'all can create y'all a little homeschool network. It's a lot of free homeschool programs online, right? What you can do is be like, look, I work during the week and I know we, know we need all the kids watch so you can get five moms, okay? Monday, you off of work, you teach the kids language on Monday and I'ma feed all the kids and we good. We'll combine each other's stamps or whatever and we make something happen. Tuesday, you go to work, but I'm off. So I'ma teach science on Tuesday to all the kids and we gonna, y'all gotta make it work. And I'm like, if people literally combine and make things, we can make it work if we wanted to, but that's what it spoke to you saying, we lazy. 
you know, because we can make little stuff like that where if we wanted to, it doesn't have to be no school. We can literally start somewhere. And that's why I tell people all the time, like, where you see me at now, it literally started from me up all night trying to figure stuff out, eating little beanies and weenies with the boys, eating hot and ready pieces, painting houses, cutting hair, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it takes some time, but you got to want to work for that it. That homeschool piece is key, especially with everything that's happening with the world, the mm -hmm. government, all the different mandates, people trying to figure out their other option. And of course, the homeschool is just school takes choice. A, yep. For a lot of people, like you say, you know, most parents are babysitters, right? Mm -hmm. They're not raising them, you understand me? Because you got to elevate the child and their consciousness and develop them into a mature human being. Right. Readiness for success in the world in order to really be raising the child, mm -hmm. you know. But when you're talking about the option of a homeschool, you know, I, I would implore to parents, you know what I mean, all around the world is to look at that as an option. Yep. As more and more things that you disagree with in the school system starts mm -hmm. to set in and change, yep. homeschooling will always be an option, you understand me, mm -hmm. as a solution, mm -hmm. right? But that ability to be able to create a network of parents mm -hmm. online, digital, or within your physical environment yep. is the formula, it's right? The formula. If you want to have a child now, then you like, well, I don't like this world. Give them their own world. Yep. You understand me? And so you don't want your child to be, uh, they have to be in the world, but they don't have to be of the world. Exactly. You understand yep. me? But um, I want to close in a second on this. Peace family is 19 keys tapping in. Do you have the knowledge to be able to teach your child cryptocurrency, how to build wealth? Do you have the knowledge to be able to teach them NFTs? See, I know a lot of you all think that you love your children, but I believe that love is an act and it's a duty. A lot of you all think that you love yourself, but you're depriving yourself knowledge that you can be utilizing in order to invest and live a better life. And that same knowledge can help produce a better life for your child. Now, if you learn this simple information by taking a few courses, you understand me? You have the ability to be able to teach, discuss it, and hold, learn a whole new language, which also builds you a whole new life. So therefore, the next time that you stare your child in the eye, you can actually be honest when you say that you love them because you know you're doing every single thing to set them up for the future. Make sure you tap into Infinite Wealth Strategies. We'll teach you financial literacy. We'll teach you, put you in the community, teach you how to write books, teach you how to produce a book for your child if you got one, teach you how to set up your portfolio, how to set up your trust, and a multitude of other different things that is involved in it. Take your first step in building a better future. Join Infinite Wealth Strategies and become a strategist of wealth. Tap in. As I sit here, man, and I just think about the future of society, you know, there's a lot of things that may plague a person's mind today. Mm -hmm. Specifically, like raising a child, that's such a huge issue. It is. Uh, but also co-parenting, mm -hmm. you understand me? And so when it comes to co-parenting and raising a child with uh, a significant other that you're not with, right? Mm -hmm. How does that work out for you? Do you have, you know, the trials and tribulations that we see in everyday America with the baby mama, baby daddy drama? No, not necessarily. Of course, we have disagreements and things like that. But for the most part, you know, she agrees with uh, everything that I stand for, you know, personally yeah. as a man and the things that I've you know, done. She's watched me build, et cetera. Both of my boys were born in marriage, you know, so, you know, it's choosing who to, to procreate with. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people have that type of drama because usually they just be out here having sex with anybody and or just even just picking who you decide to have sex with. Like, I mean, I know people who will see a guy who got four baby mamas already and then you'll go have <laughs> raw sex with them and then become the fifth. you know i'm just like become the fifth and i'm just like that don't make no sense you know like i don't i don't be understanding the logic sometimes but you know i was raised in a way to to know you know like what i was looking for at least roundabout what i was looking for 
Um, so yeah, we don't have a bad relationship in regards to co-parenting. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, like I said, she agrees with most of the things that I believe in in regards to raising my boys and you know having them to be greater than me. You know, I want them to be better than me, and I want to try and create a life for them to you know have a better life than I did. Um, even if my life was great, I want theirs to be greater. Um, mm-hmm. And let them go be whatever they want to be, um, and not just have them pick up my mantle or most like most dads work for their sons to go take over their family role or whatever like that. Nah, just I want to do what they want to do, be who they want to be. You know, I'll guide them, give them the principles, help them develop habits, help them develop their character, you know, and develop myself, you know, yeah. so. So you being young uh, and divorced, you know what I'm saying? What King Randall look for in a woman? What's, what's your next woman going to need? Oh, man, um, I don't know. Um, and, and that's me being honest. Um, I'm 22 years you old. You got no ideas? Mm-mm. I'm 22, and I, I'm going to say I have no idea. Um, because Virtuous, thick, you know what I'm saying, dark skin, I anything. Can't, I, as a black woman, of course, but I can't, I can't give that answer because... As a 22-year-old guy, I thought I knew what I wanted. Okay, I get yeah, you. Yeah, you know, sir. I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I thought I knew what I was looking for. You know, I thought that's what I wanted. But it's all in discovering completely who I am myself. You know, and maybe wait until I'm again scientifically a full-grown adult, 27, 28 years old, to figure that out. Um, but right now, I don't know what I want in a woman. I think I might know. I think I might want to be fine and be smart and burn some sage or do a crystal or two or whatever. Or maybe Sound not. Sound like a you little know? list. Sound like a list is brewing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, nah, man. Um, no, nah, I don't know. Um, so, and this, this is being honest. I don't know what I would want in a woman Gotta right now. Got to get you a sacred woman, man. Yeah. Somebody who knows how to create a home. Somebody mm-hmm. who is a home. I'm yeah, and, 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 with, and, I, uh, and I'll give credit to my grandmama. She did, you know, I will say my grandmother for my last two years of high school, I went to live with my grandmother for my last two years of high school. My mom moved to Atlanta. And um, my grandmother for my last two years was teaching me what I should expect in a wife. Um, and she wasn't telling me directly what that was. I didn't realize until last year, literally. And um, my grandmother, like for my last two years of school, like she would um, make my breakfast every day, you know, wake up in the morning and, you know, ask me what I wanted, you know, get my clothes out, iron my suits for me when I had events and things like that. Like all this stuff, send me nice text messages during the day, you know, uh, make up the bed, you know, all that little stuff like that. And I never paid any attention. I'm just like, you know, grandma's being grandma, you know, or like that. But then last year, like I was just sitting in my truck and I was just like, I caught my grandma. I was like, grandma, I said, like, you was literally showing me, like, just the conversations that we had, et cetera, even down to when we argued and stuff. Like, she was trying to show me, you know, what I was supposed to have, you know, in a wife. Mm. And what's crazy is I'm super grateful for, like, my entire village because all of them literally molded me. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I have a roundabout idea, man, you know, but I don't know what I, what I need in a wife yet. You know, so as I discover myself more and, and as my purpose grows and discover what I'm doing, I need to find somebody, you know, whose purpose aligns with mine and we're equally yoked and we can make it happen. Yeah, I think, well, that's the key. I think you actually kind of lined out what you did want because she does have to be aligned with your principles, mm-hmm. your mission, your vision and values. You understand me in order for you. And then also being a man of vision and a man of mission, you have to have somebody who can help support that in different ways. You understand mm-hmm. me? But I think that you know, as I grow and understand things in different capacities is that you have to understand, you got to look at your real overarching mission and vision. Because right. you're going to want a woman that fits into that, mm-hmm. right? It, you may be comfortable right now and maybe just want a woman for her looks, right? But then as you're growing and you go through challenges and you go through growth, mm-hmm. you're going to want a woman that can be a part of that process. Yep. You understand me? And that has... Uh, uh, 
somewhere inside that vision where she's there assisting or growing and helping in some sort of capacity and participation. Right. And I know that unfortunately right now, you know, the, I always say that the dependent black man and the independent black woman, you understand me, were made to repel each other mm -hmm. because the black man cannot be depended on, you understand me, and then the black woman depends on no one. Right. You understand me? So therefore, they have no need or value for each other. So they go in separate ways. Right. Right. But any man of vision, a purpose, a, a great mission has to have a woman that is interdependent and that is also assisting and helping and nurturing, right. you know, uh, um, his mission so that he can consistently go further because that's going to be your confidant. That's going to be your compass. Mm -hmm. You understand me? And so extremely important, yeah. probably the biggest piece of the puzzle, mm -hmm. the biggest piece who you marry, you understand me completely, you know, has uh, an effect on your destiny, right? Picking the right woman, right destiny, wrong woman, wrong destiny. Yeah. And it's not 100% because you can always leave the person you with, but then you don't want to spend some of the most formidable times of your exactly. life with the wrong person learning yeah. the, the lessons. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Yes, you'll be wiser afterwards, yeah. but because you went through the wrong thing. But you be wise and old. You yes. Know, and you meet and live out the time. Yep. So, you know, I just wanted to sit down and I'm glad we was able to cover all things from politics, you know, to modern day revolution, mm -hmm. right? Is which what I see and what you're talking about. And I think that the duplication of more community impactors is what we need today. Right. If we're going to utilize social media for anything to be influential, and if you're going to be in these different rooms with different people, yep. have an intention that's connected to a mission. Integrity. So that you're not just around people for clout, you're not around yep. people for you know proximity, but it's leading towards an agenda that has an impact on generations to come. Yep. Man, so you know, regardless of criticism that you may receive from others, you get none over here because I appreciate the work you're doing with the young boys. Yeah, I appreciate you. understand you. me? Yes, sir. Saving them from molestation, saving them from prison, saving them just from the conditions and the statistics that young black men in America end up. You understand right. me? So Absolutely. Thank you for the work that you do. I appreciate I you. I appreciate you being on High Level Conversations. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. High level conversations with Brother 19 Keys was probably uh, one of the better conversations I've had in a long time. Uh, it was way overdue. Uh, we've been talking behind the scenes for a good little while, so it's good for us to finally uh, meet and collaborate. I think it's one of the biggest things that I want people to also take from this uh, interview is collaboration. Um, people from all over who do different things need to be able to communicate with each other and collaborate and share ideas. I think that's one of the biggest things that I uh, wish for people to know. Yeah, I decided to have King Randall on high level conversations because, you know, he a young leader that's actually making real community impact and change. You know, um, for some, they may think he controversial in the way that he be able to move about with all different walks of life. To me, it's nothing controversial about helping young black boys. You understand me? So. I definitely wanted to have his voice on there to introduce him to more people that doesn't know his story, but also had a conversation with a younger generation and how they're going to go about changing the world. So we had a very powerful, dynamic conversation. You understand me? And I think that all parents around the world should tune in to it so you can tap in. 
Uh, one thing I believe in and one of the, my, our hashtags is big boy faith. Uh, I believe in uh, having faith in my own abilities and, you know, uh, knowing who I am and who I was created by. Uh, so I have power in my own right. So anything that I want, uh, anything that I could, you know, make up in my mind, I could go and do on my own. And at 22 years old, we were opening a school up September 12th, uh, 2022. And I started this program at 19 years old. So in just three years, we were able to make this happen with an idea that I had. And now we've made it a reality. So if I can do it, especially coming from one of the uh, well, excuse me, uh, one of the four poorest cities in the whole United States. Uh, I believe, you know, we, anybody can do it anywhere. As black males in America, you understand me, we are seen as some of the toughest on the planet Earth. You understand me? Because the world is used to us going through demotions, used to us going against oppression, used to us going through pressure, used to us being against the eight ball. You understand me? And there's a lot of strength that's been robbed from the young black male. When we look at the high mental health issues and rates in America, the incarceration rates, the homicide rates, the death rates, you understand me, the diseases, and a multitude of other different things, that means that somebody needs to be able to speak life into young men. You understand me? There's an emasculation of young males that happen all throughout the world, and that's when you rob them of that strength. You understand me? That they believe that they possess based on the role that you have of being a masculine entity. And so being able to become an environment to where you re-energize that into the young mind and make sure that it never leaves out is protecting the future of family, protecting the future of protectors, which are men in society often. So speaking life into young men is the duty that every single black man has, same way that every black woman has. But I believe that the black man has failed at some of his duties. And it's time for us to take that responsibility and hold ourselves accountable and make sure that we reach back to the younger generation. My name is King Randall and I'm on High Level Conversations with 19 Keys. Yo, I'm 19 Keys. You just tapped into High Level Conversations. Make sure you give us a five-star review. Make sure you comment, make sure you like. Make sure you send that out to the whole entire world so you can tap them into some high level as well. I appreciate y'all tuning in as always. Peace. I, I, I set tone a long time ago that if you see a white person standing next to me, it mean they selling out, not me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They tried me with that till they see when I have conversations with white folks. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't differ. I'm like, yeah. bro, I've been saying the same thing for the yeah. past three years. I said, but I said, I can't help that they agree. But when they start agreeing and I start telling them where I got it from, they be like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that. Like when I do tell them something about the minister, they're yeah. like, he said that? I'm yeah. like, yeah, the minister said that. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Like you just, you know, you got to bring your own environment. That's exactly. All. I bring my energy. Having a problem with your little swimmers? Having a problem with your testosterone? Not feeling quite like a man when you go into the gym? Can't go in there and exert maximum energy, falling off. How about you try and tap into some of the sports moss? Specially formulated so you can feel like a man again. You can tap in high endurance and at the same time, 
It's a very small recovery rate because of what's inside this bottle right here. Tapped in for the man inside you. Now we know toxic masculinity is the new trending topic. But what about healthy masculinity, goddammit? What if I told you inside this bottle is a little bit of healthy masculinity? Would you take it? Make sure you tap in. Get you a little bit. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.